0: you, So help us, Father, today to learn more about you, and what pleases you, and what makes you angry, so that we won't make you angry, but we will please you. And Help us, Lord, to understand more about our enemy, and what gives legal right to him, and may we walk far away from him. May we walk in obedience to your word so that you will be able to keep us free from all pain, all suffering, all sickness, and all disease. where well, we can live and walk in the abundant life that you have provided for us on this earth. It's already given to us, but we have to find the answer. And I praise you and thank you for all these things. Now today, Lord, reveal more of these things to us, all of us, as we walk through your word today, may you teach us the mighty things of the living God. So we will walk in them. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. For those of you maybe that didn't hear, if you have a cell phone, please turn it off or put it don't vibrate or something. Those things go off at the most... Uh, inopportune time. So I know uh, it's kind of embarrassing whenever I have mine in my pocket and it goes off in churches. Even when I'm ministering to people in the ministry center, sometimes I forget to turn it off and then the thing goes off while I'm trying to minister to people. So, you know, but I used to think I could could live without one, but now I'm not sure. You know, I have so many things and I'm so many places and uh, without it... uh, you just can't hardly get by anymore without a cell phone. But I know you can, but I, I, I'm i sure, uh, I guess I'm, I have to say I'm spoiled to the good things or the bad things, whatever you want to call them, of the world. They're very nice, aren't they, Steve? Very nice. So <clears throat> today I want you to know that there is some things you can do and that you can walk today in divine health. You do not have to be sick. Now, I don't care what anybody has told you. You do not have to be sick. If you'll do what God tells you to do, you can walk in the abundant life. Now then, I know this. I've found these answers. I have studied the Word of God for years, and I've been in church all of my life. But being in church is not what taught me these things. I'd been in church, I was a Sunday school teacher, I was a deacon, I was really a servant of God that served him, but I had never heard his voice, Never, he had never spoken to me, I didn't know he did speak to people, and although I was reading this book, uh, it's like it wasn't making sense to me. But when the Lord says what he says to diligently seek him in the Word, I finally decided I would diligently seek him in the word. And so I took this book and I started spending 5 to 15 hours every week in the word of God. Every week, 5 to 15 hours. Some days, sometimes I would spend more than that. But 5 to 15 was pretty normal. Now, I did that for 10 years. 10 years before the Lord spoke to me the first time. I hope he don't take you that long but I diligently sought him for ten years and then he realized or he knew that I was really serious about what I was doing I never expected to hear his voice but y'all come on in come on in find you a place to sit down we got all kinds of chairs we got a whole row up here on the front back here on the back back here in the middle we got all kinds of room just come on in make yourself at home but anyway as I began to hear God's what I call an audible voice, it really, really, really changed my life. I really realized how real this God was and how wonderful He is and the things that He will do. And I found out now that that He he means everything He says in this book. I mean, this book was written and sealed and it's never going to change. It has never changed. And this is a law book. This law book tells us what to do and what not to do. And we have to believe it. And if we believe it exactly as it's written, he'll teach us about who our enemy is. He'll teach us how to overcome the enemy. He'll teach us how to walk in divine health and have no sickness and disease. Now, this is this is my goal. My goal is to teach the people of God that I'm associated with my little thing I believe from God is to teach the body of Christ that he puts me with teach you how to walk in divine health with no sickness and no disease this is what I believe God's will is for me because he's, he's revealed it to me he's told me personally how it works and right there it was all the time but I just couldn't grasp that he meant what he said but when I finally did and I grasped it and got a hold of it. Well, then, since the day I received that by faith, I have walked with no sickness and no disease and no pain virtually for over 20 years. But I certainly didn't do it before. But anyway, I'm going to show you what the Lord says and He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He won't never change. and He has no favorites. He treats all of us the same. And He made us of the rules and it doesn't do one for something for one and it don't do it for another one. He'll do it for everybody the same way. So I'm going to show you to start off with what the Lord says here when Moses was leading these people in the Old Testament. I want to show you what the Lord says in Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty-five. Well, actually we'll start with verse twenty-four. <clears throat> and the people murmured or grumbled think about what he said now the people murmured or grumbled anybody in here has never murmured or grumbled I don't think so but I want you to see these little words that's in here every word is in the word of God for a purpose And the people murmured or grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now, of course, you know, these people, this was a little bitty group of people Moses was leading out of Egypt. Somewhere between two and five million. Just a little, if you've seen the Ten Commandments, has anybody seen the Ten Commandments movie? You know, the little group of people that they showed there, you know, was probably a thousand people or maybe two thousand that they were leading across a desert and they led through the water and all that stuff. That looked like a lot of people. <clears throat> but that was nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. What do you think you would do today when Moses said he couldn't do what God called him to do? Well, you think, good grief, Moses should have known he could have done that. Let me ask you today, if God come to you today and said, called your name, and said, I want you to get the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex with all of its suburbs together. All of them. And I want you to lead them up Interstate 35 to Oklahoma City on foot. How many people's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex? With all the suburbs. About two to three million people. This is a chore that God gave Moses to do. You see why he might have stuttered a little? <laughs> but, Lord, 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 I'm tongue-tied. I am tongue i can not do this. I would have been looking for some kind of an excuse, too. Because well, this is the chore that God gave Moses. How would you feel if the Lord came to you today and said, I have this little chore for you to do. I just want you to come down here to Dallas. To Dallas-Frontworth Metroplex. And I want you to get every one of those people every one of them that are busy about their life, every one of them and their children, it was only 650,000 men, the Bible says. If there's 650,000 men, there's about 650,000 wives somewhere in that neighborhood. God pretty well always keeps men and women equal. Not exactly, but he's pretty close. Almost always the same number of men as there are women. But in this, though, he said there were 650,000 men. So we're going to assume there's 650,000 women. And if there's 650,000 men from 20, 21 years old up to 80 or 90 years old, and there's all those women with all their children and grandchildren, back in those days it wasn't nothing for people to have six, eight, and ten kids. So if you just had... 650,000 families and just had two children per family you're already running into millions of people because you had over one million just men and women and then if you just show two children in there you can see where you can have two three maybe four or five million people the Dallas Forest Metroplex and you are going to lead those people with no telephones no radios no communications except by word of mouth and you're going to lead them to Oklahoma City on the freeway would that be a pretty good chore for you? That would be a pretty good chore for anybody, I will have to say. <clears throat> so, these people are led out into the desert. Now, when this mass gets out into the desert, you've got to remember, from here to Oklahoma City, when you drive along in your car going to Oklahoma City, you can stop anywhere in your car anytime you want to, any few minutes, and buy gas, get something to drink, go in and have something to eat. But out there in the desert, there was no 7-Elevens. There was no rest stops. There was no bathrooms. I mean, you've got to realize the magnitude of this chore that he was given. So Moses is leading these people out of Egypt, and they're grumbling and complaining because there's no water. There's no place to stop and get a drink of water. And I can understand why they're grumbling and complaining, because they really have only been three days without a drink. I mean, that's not very long, is it? When's the last time you had a drink? Five minutes ago? Yeah. Yeah. And some of you won't be able to make it till two o'clock or three o'clock until you need another drink. And you're sitting in here in a nice, cool, air-conditioned room. You're not out there in the heat. So you gotta get an idea of what Moses was up against. So these people are murmuring, murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. And they were murmuring against Moses, and what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sleep. Now what did Moses do? Did he begin to ask people what he should do? Who did he ask? The Lord. Now don't you think that would be a good place when you start having a problem to go to instead of going to everybody else go to God? You know that's another reason why he never talks to us? is because we don't ever seriously ask him for anything. We always go to somebody else. We never seriously come to Lord and diligently seek Him. Did you know there have been times when I have pursued the Lord for hours and hours and hours before He would talk to me? You know, that's diligence. You know, if you ask for something and you do not get an answer from God, He says He will talk to you. So you don't give up. You stay in there and you continue to ask and you quote his word to him in the process. When you quote his word to him, say, "Lord, you told me to ask anything in your name, and you do it for me." And then tell him where it's at, in according to the verse that you're using, because he watches over his word to perform his word. Jeremiah 1:12 says, "He is ready to perform his word." So you got to watch over. His, he watches over his word and he's ready to perform his word because he clearly said that in Jeremiah 1.12 but now then here and, and uh, Moses cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast it into the waters the waters were made sweet there he made for them a statue and an ordinance and there he proved them and he said verse 26 listen to what he said and the Lord said, if you if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, and will do that which is right. So you can't just listen, you got to do something. Do that which is right in His sight. Not your sight, but in God's sight. And will give ear to His commandments and will keep all of his statutes, not part of them, all of them, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now then, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he never changes. If you and I will diligently hearken to walk to his statutes and his commandments today, how much sickness and disease should we have? None. That's absolutely right. He made a promise. He would take it away. So, if you've got some kind of sickness and disease, what does that tell you? You did not do what God said. He's no respecter of persons. Now, I mean, I have seen people, when I make that statement, I mean, especially in the Baptist church, they get plumb indignant. indignant. I had the best grandmother in the world. I mean, she walked in love. She was the best woman in the world. And she died with cancer. I said, I know. That was your opinion of grandma. But that obviously wasn't God's opinion of grandma. Because God said in his word, and he cannot lie. He said, if you diligently seek me and keep all my statutes and do everything I tell you to do, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I put on the Egyptians. Did he not? I mean, so he said it. If God said it, we come to a decision, I either got to believe the word or what somebody else says. So, I've decided in everything I do to believe God. I don't care what anybody else tells me. I don't care. I'm going to believe the word of God. So, if I mean, you, you can have your opinion, but as long as your opinion doesn't line up with the word, then I'm not interested in your answer. You'll see where I'm coming from. I mean, I've sat down with a group of doctors of theology recently within the last couple of years. And they're trying to tell me that what I'm teaching is not true. And finally, there was about five of them. And they were professors in seminaries and everything else. And leaders of big ministries and everything else. And finally, my question was to the leader of this organization... I said, I have one thing to ask. What I'm teaching you is what's written in the Word. And they said, well, yes, but you misunderstand it. I said, okay, maybe I do. But let me ask this question. How many people have you men seen healed in the last year when you prayed for someone? Not one single one of them had seen anybody healed miraculously in the past year. I said, okay. One of the men that was there had called me, and I had prayed over the telephone with two different boys about two or three weeks apart, and both of those men were miraculously healed in his office after listening to what I was teaching from the Word of God. I mean, if those boys were a thousand miles away from where I am on the phone. And when I prayed the prayer of faith, and both those boys, after repenting of sin, both of them instantly healed, guess who showed up to heal those boys? Who do you think that was? Just a coincidence that they got well right then? Basically, it says one of them was walking with a walker, and he, couldn't, he could barely get around, and he was instantly healed, and he could run and jump and play, and the other one was already down on his back, and he couldn't even get up because the pain was so severe in his back. Now then, let me explain to you right here at this point what I had to do to those boys so you will see a little bit about what it takes to get healed. First of all, one of these young, or actually both of these young boys were working for a ministry. A very godly ministry. It's a great ministry, I will have to say. They're doing great work for the kingdom of God. But the young boy, 23 or four years old, whenever the head of the ministry called me and told me that they'd had a doctor give them three opinions as to what needed to be done, or the boy eventually would still have to have surgery and they wanted to know what I thought. Well, who did Moses go to to find the answer about the water? God. Don't you think it'd be a whole lot better for us to go to God to find out what the answer is instead of going to a doctor first? Well, that's the way I look at it. So I went to the Lord and in the process of going to the Lord, the Lord began to reveal to me in the Spirit, He's not talking to me audibly, but He's beginning to reveal His Word to me And I'm going back to this young man, and I'm asking this young man, number one, are you really a born again child of God? Yes, he most definitely was. He made Jesus the Lord of his life several years before. Well, I asked him, I said, are you living in any kind of sin? Because under the new covenant, under the new covenant, the new covenant says you and I are absolutely not to sin. I mean, I realize that most of the church today does not believe that. But I, I want to to confirm what I'm telling you piece by piece. I want to show you the scriptures that confirms this. Now, I want you to go to 1 Peter 2, 21. And I want you to see that what I'm telling you is the truth. Because I did not know these things. But this is what the new covenant demands so we can walk in divine health I asked a young boy if he had any sin in his life and the reason I said that is because in 1 Peter 2 21 it says for even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps so we're born again Christian, we're children of the king He, Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he walked on this earth and he left you and me an example that we should follow in his steps. Well, let's see what the example was. Verse 22 says, he only did a little bit of sin. Is that not what he said? Well, we must think that's what he says, Because the average church member I know has no problem of murmuring or grumbling and complaining today. Do you think grumbling and complaining is sin? Why is it, why is grumbling and complaining sin? Did God tell you to do all things without murmuring or grumbling and complaining? He sure did. If He did, then this is one of the things that we've got to get over. Somebody said, well, it can't make that much of a difference if I grumble and complain. Oh, yes, it can. Murmuring and grumbling and complaining is breaking the law of God of walking in love and it will bring a demonic spirit to you and it will put pain and suffering upon you. Now then, people say, I don't believe that. Well, okay. You don't have to believe that if you want to. You just go ahead and keep grumbling and complaining and you find out it's going to bring some hurt upon you. I can assure you it will bring it. And it will bring it in lots of ways. It can bring physical pain to you. It can bring sickness and disease to you. It can bring a broken set of finances to you. It can cut off your business. It can do all kinds of things. And the more you grumble and complain, the worse you will get. So, the Lord says here, this is the example that we are to follow. He did no sin. So, what is your goal? No sin. Now, if that was an impossible task for the church to do today, he would not have commanded us to have done this. Now, the only reason he told you to do this, no sin, is because he loves you. And he knows what the consequences will be or the results will be if you obey his word. And he knows what the consequences will be if you do not obey his word. Now, this is who did no sin, so we're not supposed to do no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. You will have to learn how to talk to be able to walk without sickness and disease. I can assure you, you will have to learn to control your tongue. Now, we have some very extensive teachings just on the tongue. I have three CDs back there on the tongue. There's two 90-minute cassette tapes on the tongue. Now, I'm not talking about speaking in unknown tongues. I'm talking about controlling the tongue you have with with the dialect that you speak in. This is the biggest, hardest thing. I don't care if you never speak in unknown tongues, but you must learn to control the tongue that you speak in every day of your life. And you must learn to control it. You must learn to stop grumbling and complaining with your tongue. You must learn to stop no guile, no deceit with your tongue. If you want to have no sickness and disease under the new covenant. You have to do this. Because if you don't, it's going to bring sickness and disease to you. I can assure you. Then he says, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. Now, that's kind of hard to do when somebody's really reading you the right Act, telling you how bad you are or whatever it's very difficult to sit there and do nothing or to not retaliate with your tongue and cut him down I mean so you're going to have to learn to control your tongue you know somebody i mean I mean these things happen in homes between A man and a woman that's married together, they love each other. Now, I know there's not a single home here besides mine that's ever had that problem. I know I'm the only guy in here that's ever said anything he shouldn't to his wife. I'm trying not to do that at all. I'm working diligently at it. I'm trying to get to where I control everything I say all the time because I want to walk in love. I don't want no sickness and disease come to my house. I want to walk in love. My wife is also doing the best thing because she knows the importance of herself and myself being attached together as one that we both have to walk in love or we open that door to the devil to either one of us. And we don't want that door open to either one. Now, right here, I'm going to tell you a little something that will be very beneficial to a lot of you. The Word of God says, and this just happened to us the other night, so I will, this is a very, very powerful teaching if we get a hold of it. The Word of God says, Wives submit to your husbands. I mean, you can just say that, and some women back up. Well, let me tell you, you don't realize why God told you to do that. There is a A chain of authority between God and the lowest level. There's a chain of authority in your workplace. You have a boss and maybe a supervisor and then you. Or you work for a large corporation and there may be a CEO and presidents and vice presidents and managers and right on down the line. To you. And you may be one of those in the middle somewhere. I don't know. You may be the one at the top. It makes no difference. But everybody has somebody they report to, even on this earth. Everybody. Well, the chain of command is God the Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and then down to man. And then the wife, and then the children. Well, my wife is doing an extremely good job of submitting to her husband. She told me when she married me, she said I have never had a man that loves me. Although she had been married twice before when she was a young woman, and she said I never submitted to a man in my life. Well, there's a lot of women out there that lived right there. If you don't have a husband that loves you, it's not very easy to submit to a man that don't love you. But the women ought to submit to any man except their husband. That's all. You don't submit to anybody else. Only to your husband. Well, if the husband is in tune with God, then he has submitted himself to Christ. So he studies the Word, he walks in love, he walks in obedience to the Word, and he does what the Word says. Well, Cheryl, just a few, only a couple of weeks ago, she started having some tremendous burning pains in her body. And she tried to pray over them for a couple of days with no results now she's prayed the prayer of faith for lots of people and seen many wonderful things in the last year maybe the last couple of years but surely the last year but when she prayed for herself she could not get it done nothing changed so about the second night we're laying there in bed and I'd already gone to sleep and she's laying there she can't sleep and she wakes me up and she says honey I hate to wake you up but I've got to have you pray for me I have these burning pains in my body And I said, well, how long have you had it? She said, about two days. This has been bothering me. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, she said, well, I thought I could get it done myself. I said, but see, you're in rebellion to God. She said, what do you mean? I said, God told you to submit to me. I am the priest of the family. In this home... You are submit to me, and when you try to go around me to God directly, you're in rebellion to God. And he's not going to hear your prayer. So I said, all you needed to do was come to your priest. I'm working in obedience. He told me to take care of you. He told me to love you, and he told me to love him. I reached over and laid my hand on her stomach and rebuked the pain, rebuked the spirit. And I'm telling you, in one heartbeat, she was instantly healed. Her pain went away, and in five minutes, she was sound asleep, and she had a great night's sleep. And the next morning, she woke up. She said, wow, I will not never do that again. I will not never do that again. So this morning, I walked in the bathroom, and she said, i got a little tiny zip right here between my eyes. Will you pray? That's exactly right. She said, would you pray for that? I said, of course I will. But see... Most ladies that are in the church do not understand this principle that God says, "Wives submit to your husband in all things, not some things, all things." Now, then, if the woman wants you get married, you, according to God, you have to be subject to your husband in all things, and your husband is not a man that walks in obedience to God's Word, or he's not even a Christian, guess what? You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And that's why God told us in His Word, women, you are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You're not to be unequally yoked. So whenever I see a woman that is either a Christian, that either her husband died or divorced or whatever, and she's looking for another man, my first question is, is he a born-again, spirit-filled Christian? And you know what? Most of the time the answer is, no. He will not go to church with me. Well, let me tell you, women, you need to get rid of that guy. You need to get rid of him because you get involved with him, you're going to be in trouble. If he's a carnal man, he's looking for one thing. And that's your body, and he don't care nothing else about you. He's not going to take care of you. I mean, he'll get what he wants, and then he's gone. That's a carnal man. And even some Christians, I hate to say, are like that too today. But it's extremely important to walk in obedience to God's commands. So if a man is walking in obedience to God's word... And the woman is walking in obedience to God's Word, then every time she needs a prayer request turned into the Father, she should come to her head, which is her husband, and if he's walking in obedience to God's Word, and he prays for her, she should almost, if not every time, get her prayer answered immediately. The other night, I'm telling you, when I touched her and commanded that thing to leave, Cheryl was healed, I mean, in one second. Her, second. She'd had that two days. Two days. But it hadn't been long ago, although I don't know whether she realized it or not, but it hadn't been long ago when she walked in to me. I was back there in the back, and she walked in, and I said, Hi, honey. And she came come up to me and put her arms around me and said,
1: You've got to pray for me.
0: I said, What's wrong with you? She said, I can't talk. I have to sing to a bunch of people tonight and I cannot talk. I mean, her voice was so tiny I could barely hear it. So, I just reached up right quick and kind of pushed her back away from me and reached up and grabbed her around the throat and could chuck her right quick and commanded the devil to come out of her in the name of Jesus. And, and immediately she could talk normal. Now who is it that messes us up today? The devil. Now, then you've got to realize if you're walking in obedience to God's Word, how much power and authority do you have over the devil? All. Oh. You know why so many people today are not healed? Because they go and beg and ask God to heal them when, technically speaking, God has already healed the church on the cross. You don't have to beg Him for healing. What you need to do, and you really need to learn what I'm saying on this, get this in your spirit if Jesus Christ bore your sickness and removed your disease on the cross 2,000 years ago like he said in Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 and in Matthew 8:17, 17 and right here in 1 Peter 2 where we're at we're going to talk about this again if he's already healed you then what's making you sick? The devil why is the devil doing it? either because he has legal right or because you don't know who you are and what Christ has done for you now how long do you think Cheryl might have had that problem with, we might call it laryngitis, she could barely whisper? How long do you think she might have had that if she hadn't been married to a man that knew the spiritual laws? Who knows? She might have had it a week. But she definitely could only whisper. And when demons come in us and put pain, it's just like the burning that was in her body. That that was a demon. I mean, I know what these things do. And so when she woke me up from the sleep and told me, honey, you've got to pray for me. She said, I am burning. I can't sleep. And she said, I I prayed for two days and nothing's happened. I just laid my hand right there on her stomach and commanded that devil in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And the very minute I did, he had to go, he's gone. If Jesus healed her on the cross 2,000 years ago, then I don't have to beg the king for healing. All I've got to do is make sure we have no sins in our life. rebuke the devil, command him to leave, and the healing's already in her because Christ, the healer, is in her. And so when you rebuke the devil, you command him to leave, and the healer, which is already in you, he goes forth and replenishes or restores everything. The devil messed up. So immediately the burning and the fire was gone in her body. Now she'd only had it for two days. But I guarantee you. She told me after I told that. She said, until you told me that, I did not know that I was in rebellion or in disobedience to God when I went directly to the king for prayer for myself. I told her, I said, no. God put the man in charge of the family. Every man in this room that's married to a woman, you are the priest of the family. Your wife, the woman, is to be subject to you in all things. Now then, does that mean you're going to control everything? No, not necessarily. What that means is, when you all have something to discuss, you sit down as two intelligent children of God, and you talk about the situation. The wife should be able to have a nice, lovable, calm input, just like the man. You sit there and you talk about everything, whatever. You should have your input just like he does. Because you and him both are children of the king. And the Lord did tell you to love her with all your heart. Even to the point that you would give your life for her like Christ gave his life for the church. That's real love. If a man loves his woman like that, his woman won't have a problem submitting to him. Some of you women really spoke up on that. you got that right. So any time a man loves you like Christ loves the church and you know he'll give his life for you, you'll do anything for that man, won't you, young lady? Sure you will, yeah. I've never seen a woman that wouldn't. If she's taken care of like Christ has taken care of the church, even to the point of giving his life... For her, any woman will have no problem in talking to her husband because she knows she can come and sit down with that man, talk to him and everything, put all of the input in, give her uh, ideas and everything, and then he might talk to her and say, well, I think it would be better if we did it this way or like this, or I think this ought to be the final way to do it. And she said, but we that might create this or this. And when you finally come to a decision, hopefully the two of you can agree On the final decision. When you both put it together, you should both be in agreement on this thing, and then the decision is up to the man, and God's going to hold the man responsible for the decision. Unfortunately, if you disagree on something, which you shouldn't, but sometimes you will, if you disagree, the woman is still to submit to the man and let him make the mistake. Because most of the time, when we don't listen to our we make a mistake. That's why I said that. But when he makes a mistake, don't come back at him and say, I told you so. See, keep your mouth shut. Because that will drive a wave between you and him, and you don't want that. He was doing the best he can, and he's going to be accountable to God. So you don't need to be accountable to you. You don't need a woman that is dragging along with him and say. See, I told you last week you made that dumb mistake. I'll give you my advice, and you will take it. Let me tell you, that nagging woman, she's going to be sick. I guarantee you're going to be sick. It's going to come upon you. You don't want to go there. This will bring sickness and disease to you. So, if people would understand the chain of authority. But see, that's the same thing. Whenever I need input... Can I go directly to God? No. I can go to the Father through the blood of Jesus. If I try to go to God, in fact, I had a great revelation one time from the Lord. I used to not know hardly anything about the Word of God. And so when I would pray, I would pray, Oh God, would you do this? God, you know this, that. Oh God, oh Heavenly Father. And I would never use the name of Jesus. I've seen lots of people do that. And then one day the Lord revealed to me very clearly that when you're praying God and you don't use the name of Jesus, you're praying to the God of this world, which is Satan, and he has the ability at that point to answer your prayer however he wants to. Well, let me tell you, if it's anybody I don't want to pray to, it's the God of this world. The devil. Because when you don't do it, His way, I mean, I take people that pray to Mary. Well, let me tell you, They said, I had a woman here a while back tell me, I told her, I said, ma'am, you can't do that as a Christian. She said, Thurman, I'm a Catholic and I pray to the Mother Mary and I do get my prayers answered. You know who answers that prayer? The devil. The God of this world. It is not the Father. You cannot get to the throne room of God except one way. The Word of God says you can come to the Father in my name. That is the only way you can stand in the presence of God the Father is in the name of Jesus. Ever since the Lord revealed that to me, that's why I always say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. And that's the very first way I open my prayers. And then I close in, Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And sometimes I will mention the name of Jesus three or four times in there to make sure I'm covered. Because I realize without the blood of Jesus, I am in big trouble. And you are too. So you have to do it God's way. You know, I mean, just, you go to the Scripture and find out what the Scripture says, and that's what the Scripture says. So you always do everything the way the Word of God says. And did you notice in the Old Covenant, he said, if you will keep all of my statutes and all of my commandments, I will take how much sickness and disease away from you? I like that, don't you, brother? I like it when he says, I'll take... All sickness and disease away from you. Because let me ask this question: There might be somebody in here. Is there somebody in here today that has never, not one time, had a headache, had a pain, or any kind of sickness and disease in your entire life? Is there anybody in here that's never been sick, not one time, no headache, no pain, no nothing? Not a single person. Okay. Guess what? We have all sinned and come short. the glory of God that confirms what the Lord says but if we will diligently walk with him and do what he says under the new covenant walk in faith you can come out on the other side and you can obtain this goal and it is a very wonderful goal to obtain I love it and I, I, I love being able to pray for my own spouse because since Cheryl and I got married I don't know how many different times the devil has attacked us, and he's attacked through her nearly every time. And I think the reason he attacks her, I mean, I think the time we went on the fast, she broke out in whips. I mean, two or three days into the fast, I mean, spots spotches come up all over her face. Well, when she said, what is this? I told her, well, it's just the devil coming out of you. You know, we all have devils in us, you know. I mean, so don't, no, don't, don't. I mean, you can laugh if you want to, because you got demons too, folks. I mean, you know, anybody in here that says they don't think you've had a demon in your life, give me a break. you got. In fact, yesterday we had such demonic activity in the ministry center. We were casting out demons. I was, uh, I was uh, between noon and three o'clock. I was in a room right beside where our computers and printing equipment, etc., was over there trying to print stuff. And when we got down to the point where we were casting out demons, whenever the demons began to manifest, when we started kicking them out, our equipment went crazy. Printers stopped working. Computers stopped working. All kinds of stuff. All throughout the building stopped working. But yet, after all these people left, everything worked fine. Isn't that amazing? Demons are real, let me tell you. They are real. But one of the ladies we were working on kicking out the demons... She had been involved in tarot card reading, the occult. She had got some big ones. Now these things are really tormenting the fool out of her. She's in serious pain. And whenever I finally put my hand on her side, she said, I am in excruciating pain. I put my hand on her side, begin to command these demons to leave, and all of a sudden she put her hand on her stomach. The pain's going down. Well, guess what's moving? The demons are moving. They're moving in her flesh. They're crawling in there. And they're causing all kinds of pain and suffering. These are demons. This is what these things are. But she got them because she opened the door. Now, she even told me, she said, my dad was a deacon in a church. And when I started reading tarot cards, I was kind of a little concerned, maybe what I was doing was not right. And I went to my dad, which was a deacon in a church, and asking him if it was okay for me to read tarot cards, to read and tell people's fortunes and stuff. And he said, yeah. So since you're doing something good, it's okay. You see how silly we are? See, we don't understand the Word of God. We don't know Jesus told us to stay far away from that kind of stuff. So you'd be a deacon in a church and not know nothing about God's Word. Believe me. I used to be a deacon in, in the Baptist church and I didn't know virtually nothing about this book. When I was a young boy, I went to a fortune teller. Almost cost me my life. Who would ever dream as a young boy, Christian, goes to a fortune teller and pay him to tell you fortune? That you're setting yourself up and opening yourself to the devil. Well, this woman literally told me that I was going to move from where I lived in a little town to a big city and that I was going to get a job that paid a whole lot more money. And then, oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? So, Well, not necessarily moving to a big city sounds too good anymore. But getting a job that paid a whole lot more money, that intrigued me as a young man. I thought, that's great. I love that. And then she says, oh, by the way, and then you're going to be seriously injured in an accident. And it won't be in a car, and it won't be in an airplane. I thought, I don't believe this nonsense. Let me just pay her my money and leave. I did. And it wasn't many weeks. A man from Dallas called me where I worked at the Chevrolet House in Goldsway, Texas, a little tiny town of about 1,200 people. And he told me that they needed some mechanics up here at Dallas Automotive. And I went up there and I interviewed. And with what I knew about engines and things and mics and all that kind of stuff, they immediately hired me. And the pay was double what I was making before. We like that, don't we? I got double pay. Wow, moved to a big city. Bought me a motorcycle. And it ain't a car, and it ain't an airplane. But see, I'm not putting these two together. And so one afternoon, my great, big, beautiful Harley, I'm sitting out in the front of the house out there polishing this thing. You know how young boys are, you know, when you're 18, 19. This real pretty little girl comes out there, you know, and she said, Oh, you sure got a pretty bike and I said, How would you like to take a ride on this with me? And she said, Well, i love it. Real pretty little thing, you know, so she jumps up on the back of that thing with me and I you know, stupid boy, you know, I mean i am trying to be kinda of careful, but you know, I wanna show out a little, you know. You know how we are when you're young, stupid. I know none of you other guys ever laughing, I know none of y'all ever done any stupid things but me. So I'm, I'm, you know, leaning in in the corners and doing all the stuff, you know, and she's hanging on. When, and, of course, you know, the, when I go around in them corner she hangs on a little tighter, you know. So you know how we are. You know, kind of make her feel like I'm somebody, you know, just not any dumb kid, you know. And then I come around the corner down at Harry Hines in Oakland, and when I'm leaning around that corner going, I'm only going about 35 miles an hour. The speed limit was 35. When I'm leaning it around that corner and I get about halfway around that corner, and they've graveled that road there that day. Motorcycles don't work good leaning over about 45 degrees when it hits gravel. I lost it. And we went sliding. We hit a curb. We went down the road. Fell over on the side. Now, my head's dragging the concrete at 35 miles an hour. My side's dragging the concrete at 35 miles an hour. And let me tell you, when you use skin and bone for brakes, that don't work too good. <laughs> it sure did tear up a lot of flesh on me and that girl. I mean, it ripped us apart from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Why did all that happen? It was just a coincidence. No. I had opened a door to a devil of hell, and a woman with a demon in her had read my fortune and told me what was going to happen, and even though I didn't believe it, I had still opened the door to a devil. And he did everything that woman said was going to happen moved me to a big city, gave me a good job, and then nearly killed me. Just like she said. The moral of the story is don't have nothing to do with fortune tellers. They can kill you. The reason you and I should have nothing to do with fortune tellers because God in His Word told us we are to stay far away from all this kind of devil stuff. When, yeah, whenever you and I need some kind of information instead of going to a fortune teller to get it we should do the same thing that Moses did when the people come to him grumbling and complaining because the water was bitter Moses said God what should I do well the Lord told him and he put a tree in the water and he made it sweet who would ever dream to put a tree in the water to make it sweet but when you go to God and ask Him what to do, it makes no difference of what He tells you to do, how stupid it may seem to you, you do what the King tells you to do. And it will always work. Now then, His ways are not the world's ways. You know, when you go directly to the Lord and pray and ask Him for things, He will give you the information you need. Now, He may give it to you in ways you do not understand. Now, if he talks directly to you in a audible voice, that's great. You'll understand that. He may talk to you in the spirit. Or you might open the word and all of a sudden there is the answer right there to your question. Or you may have a man or a woman that may call you on the phone and say, You know, I don't know why I need to tell you this, but I just had a feeling I need to call and ask you something. And they'll talk to you. And it's amazing when God does that through someone else. Or if someone says, you know, I just got a feeling that I needed to call you and tell you, you need to do this. And the person said, there ain't no way I'm going to do this. This man's crazy. Well, if you've been praying and asking God for something, you better listen because he's talking to you. He's trying to get your attention. And if you'll listen, you'll always get the right answer. So the secret, one of the secrets today, instead of going to a doctor... When we start coming down with something, the first thing you need to do if pain or sickness comes upon you is go to God and ask Him what you've done wrong. That's the first thing you need to ask. Because according to the Old Covenant under the Old Law, if you would be diligent and do everything He said, how much sickness and disease did He say you would have? None. Now then, today you and I have a better covenant. But the requirements of this better covenant we're discussing right here, right now in uh, 1 Peter 2, 21 and on. When he said that he left this example for you and me to follow that in him there was no sin. Now, if you can walk through this earth with no sin, guess how much sickness and disease you're going to have? None. If you will have no sin and you will learn to do what he says about talking. No deceit in your mouth. You know how hard that's going to be? You're going to have to watch what you say. You mean to tell me when Bush gets on Bush, uh, Or maybe you say the other president that we had before? That idiot! You know? I mean, I mean, people talk like this now. You know? I mean, we talk out loud like this as Christians. And the Lord said we're not supposed to do this. You need to be careful who you talk about. Oh, sister, so-and-so bad at the church, that dummy, I can't believe that man or that woman. I mean, good grief. I mean, you're very vocal about this. Well, yeah, they did mess up, didn't they? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell everybody they made a mistake. Well, you better be careful, because you're going to be sick. It's going to open the door. And then tomorrow you're going to wake up and you got pain and suffering and you got the flu, you think, Oh my gosh, if there ain't everything else going wrong, now I got the flu. Grumbling and complaining, nothing but grumbling and complaining. Well the next morning you wake up and you got the flu. And then you grumble and complain for a week because you got the flu. And then you go to the doctor and he charge you three hundred dollars and then you grumble and complain because he's too high. And your whole problem was your mouth. Grumbling and complaining. Which made you sick and sicker and sicker and sicker? Did God say in His Word, "Do all things without grumbling or complaining"? Did He? Yes, He did. In fact, right here where we are, right there. Let me back up to Philippians. Let me show you this. Philippians chapter two, and I want you to see what the King says. Philippians 2.14. I want you to see this is one of the commandments under the new covenant. We're not under the old law, but we're under grace. But these are one of the commands under grace that you and I are supposed to walk in. Philippians 2.14. Philippians 2.14. Let me let you get to that. You need to see these things in your Bible to see that I'm really teaching you exactly what the Word of God says. Philippians 2.14, do how many things? Okay, do we need to do an English study on the word "all"? Huh? Do we need to understand, have a discussion on, do we need to get a dictionary definition of Webster's, what A-L-L means? That's pretty well inclusive, isn't it? Do all things without... Murmuring and disputing. All things. That's a command from God under the new covenant. All things without grumbling or complaining. Now then, you reckon that there's a consequence to that. Somebody said there couldn't be a consequence for grumbling. Well, I want you to turn back to 1 Corinthians 10. And I want to show you what the Word says. I mean, the Word is, is our authority. This is what we have to go by. This is what we have to live by. And I can say anything I want to, but if I can't back it up with the Word, then you better not believe me. The, the last one was uh, Philippians 2.14. This one is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is what we're going to confirm to you that God hates grumbling and complaining. And what he will do, and the answer is in First Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse one. First 1 Corinthians 10:1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Well, see that's the problem in the church today. We are very ignorant of these things. Most people are like I was in the church when one of us got sick. And we had sick people all the time because we had a long Wednesday night prayer list of people that were sick and afflicted. Anybody got a Wednesday night prayer meeting if you got a list on your. You know, I, I, in fact, I went down to uh, Dallas, actually Fort Worth, Northwestern Hills, here several years ago. And in fact, the first thing I did, I went over to Louisville to a hospital, a girl that was in a hospital uh, with a man. He took me over there and wanted me to pray over this woman. And I went over there, and we got that little girl healed. And then, after he saw her healed, he said, "Goodness gracious, Thurman! I got a family I know over North Richland Hills, and said his wife has emphysema and heart problem, and she's a nurse, an RN, but she had to retire early because she can't walk across the kitchen floor without you know gasping for air." He said, "Will you go down with me? And let's get her healed." I said, "Well, sure." I mean, back in those days, I had lots of time. You know, I didn't have the near the demands on my life that I have now. So Saturday afternoon, after going to we will get that girl healed, we drive down to North Richland Hills where he knew where their home was, and we went in. About we got there, I don't know, noon, twelve thirty, whatever, and walked in. Here's this precious, beautiful lady. You know, she's, I don't know, she's probably my age, pretty close at that time. I mean, here you know, I'm young and vibrant, and I mean, she's retired. And she can't walk across the kitchen floor. This had been ten years ago, so she must have been fifty-seven. Well, fifty-seven, that's old, isn't it? No. <laughs> No, no, no. 57 is young. But here she is, can't do nothing. 57, 58 years old. Heart problems. 10, 12 years had this now. And in so bad, as an army and a nurse, and she had to retire because she can't work. So I spent uh, four hours that afternoon with that couple finding out what their sins was, getting their sins repented of, and then showing them what faith was, and getting her to believe God's promises. And when that little woman finally got a hold of it, I mean, you saw the light come on. Bing! I said, you got it right there, didn't you? She said, yes! As I repent of everything, I'm already healed. I said, that's absolutely right. She said, pay for me. So free something said, devil, you lost her. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. I said, thank you, Lord, you're healed. That woman jumped up from there, she went and done everything she wanted to do. She said, "I can, my heart don't hurt. My chest don't hurt. She said, I can do it. She run out in the yard, run around the yard a few minutes, come back in. She said, I'm not even breathing hard. I said, of course not, because Jesus is healed. you. the devil, that was messing you up, is gone. Well, Sunday, I mean, that woman is in church. She's running up down the stairs Timothy. That man called me down and said, Thurman, praise God. He said, my wife, he said, I had doubts. I'm telling you, I had doubts. But he said, I'm telling you, Sunday church, she's running up down the stairs and, and telling everybody what Jesus has done for us said, my wife can do anything. I said, of course, Jesus healed her. So a few weeks later, he, he came to me and said, hey, he said, I was at Wednesday night prayer meeting in our church. And there was 3,500 members in their church, not a little one. And he said, we had 45 people on the prayer meeting list that had cancer alone. 35 people out of a church of a congregation of 3,500 with cancer not all the other list us stuff they had a huge prayer list so he said I went to my pastor my senior pastor and I told him I said there was a, is a Baptist deacon from Justin came down to my house the other day and spent a whole afternoon with my wife and I and he prayed for us and said when he left my wife was completely healed and said I'm a deacon in this church you know me And you knew the condition of my life. And said, today, she can do anything. He said, well, I've noticed. I've seen her running around here. So he said, how did he do that? He said, he used the Word of God. He said, well, what scriptures did he use? He said, man, a bunch of them. He said, I've got about ten-page list of scriptures he brought with him, and he left them there with us that day. And so he said, well, let me see them. So he said, I went home, got the scriptures, gave them to my senior pastor, and about two or three weeks later, I finally said, Well, brother, I haven't heard from you. Did you read them scriptures? Oh, yeah. I said, I read them. He said, Well, let's have him over here. Let's bring him over on Wednesday night. And let's have him teach us how to go out and do this stuff and get these people healed." He said, That man will never speak in my church. He said, What do you mean? He said, The scriptures he uses would bust this church wide open. He said it would split this thing right down the middle. Now, see, that pastor knows a lot of things about that church. And he knows when you start talking about sin, you step on a lot of people's toes. They may be sick and afflicted, or Their children are sick and afflicted, but they don't want to hear what they're doing wrong. And see, that's why I started my own ministry. There ain't nobody but God can fire me from this ministry. I work directly for the king. And everybody that comes to me, I learned a long time ago when Jesus walked across the country, he didn't go out there begging people to get healed. He walked across and they said, Lord, Lord. he just keep on walking. Lord, let heal me. He'd stop and say, do you believe I can heal you? Yes, Lord. Then he'd say, okay, stop sinning. I'm going to heal you, but don't sin no more. Stop sinning or something worse is going to come upon you. Woo. He got their attention, didn't he? So just like Cheryl and I was talking the other night, she said, Honey, some of these people that I know, that I love, I'm trying to share what I've learned of God's Word because I want them healed. And she said, They will not receive it. I said, I know. I said, That's why they're sick and afflicted. They don't want to hear it. So I said, They know you. They know what you stand for. I said, You walk holy before God, and you let them come to you. I said, if they come to you requesting to be healed, just like you came here today, you came here to hear God's Word. You came and you knew, just like a woman said they invited another woman to a healing school. And she said, where is it? She said, well, the one I want you to go with me to is Dallas. She said, it has it every second Saturday of every month. I want you to go with me next month. She said, what time does it start? I said, one. I said, what time is it over? She said, oh, five or Six. She said, a Bible teaching from one to five or six? She said, I ain't never been a preacher that I could sit and listen to for four or five hours. She said, this one you can. She said, I ain't going. So guess what? She never come. So I don't sweat it. I don't advertise. I just let God bring who he wants. I just pray and say, Lord, these are your children. I'm going to teach your word. You're going to do the healing. I'm not going to do no advertisement. I'm not going to do nothing except just put it on the website. Make it available. And then the people that come that you heal, you will tell them and they will come. And when I'm on television or whatever, I'm just going to teach people what it is. I'm going to tell them i got a healing skill. I'm not going to beg you to come. I'm not going to beg you to do anything. You're going to do exactly what God's going to move in your heart and do. And that's why we have such a tremendous weight of, of success in the number of people we get healed. We've had a lot of people get miraculously healed at a healing school. And did you know what? We've had some of them lose their healing within a day to a week to a month to a year. You know why? Because they step right back in the same sin that opened the door to make them sick in the first place. Isn't that amazing? You come to a healing school. You do what God says. You walk in obedience to His Word. You ask Him to forgive you of sin. You get all of your sins repented of. And He heals you. And some people have walked out of this building, or the one in Dallas, healed. And they know they're healed. But they go right back and fall right back into the same sin and they get sick again almost immediately. What does God require of us to have no sickness and disease? What did he say over there? No sin. No sin. Now look what he says here where we're at in First Corinthians 10. No other brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Well, let me tell you, I was ignorant for a long time. But I'm learning. I'm changing that. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat and they did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So we got the same God. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. You mean he might not be well pleased with some of us? I got a feeling that's very true. I'm going to tell you, I am certainly glad that he's God and not me. Because if I had been God and I was watching over this critter right here, I'd have killed this boy a long time ago. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you, if you'd have been God, you'd either killed your wife or your husband a long time ago because they've all done things you didn't like. There's times you have to look your mate in the eye and say, you know, I really love you, but I don't like you today at all. Any of y'all ever been there? (laughs) Every one of us has done that. I know that happens to all of us because we get off in the flesh. And we do things we're not supposed to. But it says there, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, if he wasn't well pleased with them, what happened to them? They were overthrown in the wilderness. Gets better. Now, these things were our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Is it wrong to lust? Yes, it is. They lusted, we lust. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, this is very. Dangerous when you do this because then he gives you an example of what happened when they sat down when they sat down to eat and drink and then they rose up to play he says neither let us commit fornication now how many people that confess to be Christians that you know have been guilty of having sex outside of wedlock you know anybody ever done that do you know if God wasn't merciful? Do you know a lot of you in this room be dead? You better be grateful that the king is merciful. But here he was not well pleased, And look what he did. Neither let us commit fornication or sex out of wedlock, because some of them committed, and fell in one day 23,000 of them. You know, when you look at what's going on today in TV, and the children that are running around, young, having sex, out of wedlock, and all the things they're doing in schools, and how unsafe it is for boys and girls in schools, and all the illicit sex and everything else that's going on. Do you think God is happy with America today? I want to tell you, you ever stop to think why that 30 days earlier than has ever been, we've already started a tremendous hurricane season? You ever stop to wonder why those things happen? Did you know the other day whenever uh, Dennis was approaching Pensacola, Florida at 140 mile an hour, Category 4, our church at 2.30, I called a prayer meeting with everybody who was there and we prayed for probably 15 minutes and we asked the Lord to be merciful. To those people in Pensacola, Florida, we said, Lord, we forgive their sins we ask you to be merciful, forgive their sins. We ask you to do something wonderful to confirm to these people that your love is there, and do not completely wipe out Pensacola, Florida. And at 2:45 to 3 o'clock, Dennis went from a Category 4 to a Category 3 when it hit, and it, the guy said, "Did not we don't understand why it went from 140 to 120 miles an hour just before it hit?" at 2.30 to 3 o'clock. I'm going to tell you why. Because it was a little group of 100 people over in North Dallas that was begging and pleading God to be merciful to people and to help us to be a light, to help us be a group of men and women that will walk holy before Him in obedience to His Word and to confirm that if we will, He will heal our lamb. And so He dropped that storm from a category four to a category three and the man on the news that night when I watched it did to see what happened. He said the devastation was nowhere close to as much as it would have been if that storm had stayed at a category four but for some reason just before it touched just before it came in land it went from 140 to 120 miles an hour. Just think what if there had been a thousand churches like us that had been repenting Lord, help us. Be merciful to us. Help us as your church to be humble ourselves before you and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways in the church. Turn off the nasty television sets we're watching in our home. Turn off the nasty radios that we're listening to. Turn off the nasty magazines that we're reading. Don't even bring a Sears catalog in your house no more. None of those things. You don't have to be a student of pornography today. All you've got to do is get a flyer or a magazine from a women's apparel store. All you've got to do, the pornography there today, I mean, I can take a magazine or a little flyer that comes in from some particular store and open it up and there is nothing left to your imagination for a woman. Some of the scanty things that they show there in those magazines is worse than any pornography ever was when I was a 16-year-old boy. But now you can just look at it. Everybody looks at it. Did you know what? A woman called me the other day. And she said, my husband has a real problem. I said, what's that? She said, well, i try to be a wife to my husband and enjoy sex with him anytime he wants to. But she said, my wife, my husband can just take the Sears magazine and go into a room and masturbate looking at the magazine. Is that a sad state of affairs? That's a sad state of affairs when supposedly a man of God, which has a woman at home, which tries to please him, and still he can look at pornography in a Sears magazine and wind up in that kind of condition. All i got to say, we don't have a clue who we are as sons of God. You know that? Don't have a clue. Does the Lord laugh like that? Obviously, He does not. He's showing us here, giving us an example, out of this multitude of people that was having this drunken orgy when He turned the death angel loose Before Moses could intercede and pray, 23,000 of them dropped dead. Did you know that if today God turned a death angel loose, that would wipe out the entire city of Justin and every little place between here and everybody in Denton, and it would still lack some having enough to kill them all? What do you think we would think today if everybody in this whole end of the country up here, 23,000 people just dropped dead all of a sudden? What do you think we would think? It couldn't be sin, could it? Sure, that's exactly what it is. That's what it was here. I wonder how many people and how many homes that are Christians are watching pornography on the Internet or watching this stuff on television or whatever and doing all kinds of stupid things in their own homes, but... God's still watching you. He still knows what you're doing. He doesn't like it. When he says, Neither commit fornication or some of them committed, and in one Monday 23,000, neither let us tempt or test Christ, as some of them also tempted or tested him, and they were destroyed of serpents. Now, who do you think serpents are? Those are Demons. And then look what the next verse says in verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured or grumbled and complained, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. When God says under the new covenant, don't murmur and complain, you think it will bring sickness and disease to your body? Sure. See, today people don't know what sin is. I mean, it's not anything uncommon for us in the church to walk in and we're grumbling and complaining about something. Walk in and say, Hi, brother, how are you doing today? Oh, my gosh, let me tell you what happened at work this week and all I hear for the next five minutes is grumbling and complaining. You know where I'm coming from. We've heard it, haven't we? Do you think God's pleased with us when we do that? Absolutely not. And nobody would ever dream that that would send the destroyer one of Satan's demons to you to begin to torment you and make you sick and afflict you. You know, we had an experience in church the other day. A little girl, young woman, little fine, beautiful little young woman, little business girl. She walked into church and like this. And when she came out I said, young lady, I said, something wrong with you? She said, oh, yes, I've got this crick in my neck. She said, it's killing me. I've had it for two weeks, and so said, I want you to pray for me tonight. I said, well, when Bible study so over, we will. No problem. So she goes over and sits down, necks all drawn up like this. And that night, I happened to talk about Philippians 2. You must do all things without grumbling and complaining. She thought of me, she, oh my goodness, am I in trouble. All of a sudden, when it says do all things without grumbling and complaining, she thought, three weeks ago, I walked into work and a couple of things went wrong. So I began to grumble and complain. And I grumbled and complained. And some more things went wrong. And I grumbled and complained. And the more I grumbled and complained, the more things went wrong. And by the end of the week, all kinds of things are going on, And I'm really grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining all weekend long. Monday morning, I wake up with a crick in my neck. And see, then I'm grumbling and complaining about that. So she said, for the next two weeks, all I've done is grumbled and complained about either work or my neck, and my neck's got worse, and problems at work has got worse, and all of a sudden Thurman says, grumbling and complaining will bring a destroyer to me. And she's sitting there in her chair at a Tuesday night Bible study, said, Lord, I am so sorry, I promise you, I will never grumble again. And bam, her neck straightened up and she was instantly healed. Isn't that amazing? I mean, at the end of the service that night, I said, anybody have a last word? She jumped up and said, Mr. Scribner, I've got to give this testimony or I'm going to bust. I said, okay, what's wrong? And she said, told, told us the story. She said, I never dreamed grumbling and complaining could bring the destroyer to me. And it was a demon that was holding my neck all twisted over. And the more I grumbled and complained, the worse the pain got. That's what the Word says, though, isn't it? Now, see, when she repented, is God merciful to His children today? Did she have to have anybody pray for her? No. All she did was repent of her sin. And the minute she repented of her sin, the demon had no legal right to her, and he had to leave. And so when the demon left what happened. She instantly does not have the pain or suffering no more. Isn't that amazing? God told us what to do in His Word. Now let's go back to 1 Peter 2 after we saw what He said do there in 1 Corinthians 10. After I asked all these questions, do you believe the Lord lacks sexual immorality? Do you believe the Lord lacks for you to test Him and make idols of things? No. Do you think he likes for you to grumble and complain? Does he mind? Can you do that? I mean, can you grumble and complain? Oh, yeah. Really, God, he's setting up in his throne saying, I told you what to do. Now, if you grumble and complain, I don't want you to do that, but if you grumble and complain, I've made a set of rules, and it's going to open the door for the destroyer to come to you and get you. He said, now, don't do that. When you start grumbling and complaining, he may send the Holy Spirit or he may send somebody else to say, Well, you know, you really shouldn't do so much grumbling and complaining. Well, who are you to tell me what to do anyway? If I'm going to grumble and complain, it ain't going to hurt nobody. I'm just going to grumble and complain. And the next, next morning you woke up and you said, Well, yesterday I was grumbling and complaining about this. See, now I've got something else to complain about. Now i got the flu this morning. Never put the two together. Isn't that amazing how we don't do that? But if we do what God says, just think about this. Let this really soak into your spirit. Under the old law, if God said in his word, if you will do everything I tell you to do and walk in obedience to my word, I will put no sickness and disease upon you. He said that, didn't he? If he said that and some kind of sickness and disease comes upon you, then you're doing something wrong. Now, let me give you an example of something else. I was down at another healing ministry, uh, probably within the last two years, and they had a woman down there that they showed me a video of something happened, and it was the most awesome thing I think I have seen. They had a woman come down that had big old red cancers all over her face. She was awful looking. Wow. They had this on video. I looked at and I said, "Wow, has that woman got a problem?" They said, "You know what her problem was?" I said, "Well, no, not right now. I'd, I'd had done some research on it." When God said in His Word, "This is a commandment under the new commandment, the new commandment that He gave us today under the blood of Jesus," He said, "I command you to love Me, God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength," and then He says, "Love your neighbor." As yourself, now are you supposed to love yourself? Do you think that if you don't love yourself, it could have an impact on your well-being? So people said, "I don 't like me. I 'm not pretty enough. I can't do things right. First of all, you have no knowledge of the Word of God. You have no idea who you are in Christ. Well, oh, but my nose is not exactly right. I need to have a nose job. Or I'm getting a little older. I got a few wrinkles. Nobody's going to love me anymore because I got a few wrinkles. Or my chin's not exactly right. I don't love me. I mean, don't I look awful? So you hate yourself. That's what this woman had done to herself. She had not kept God's commandment. She had not loved herself. And so by not loving herself, she's breaking God's commandments. She's calling demons to her, and now these demons come to her and put these big, red cancers out of her face, and now she can really hate herself because she looks awful. And when she was told from the Word of God, ask the question, do you love yourself? She she said, how in the world could anybody love something that looks like I do? How could anybody love this? I said, but you haven't been like that forever. She said, but I have never loved myself. I've always been terrible. I've never been a pretty woman. I've always been ugly. No, I hate myself. What did God tell you to do? Love yourself. Do you think that He made you, and He made you think God must like the way you look? Yeah. Yeah. So if you start saying, I'm ugly, I hate myself, guess what you're doing? You're condemning God. You're putting Him to the test, and He really don't like that. So you're opening a door to a demonic spirit, and this demon comes into her and puts these cancers on her face, and when the woman was finally gotten through to, that you must love yourself. And she said, I had no idea that this was this important, to love myself. She repented and asked the Lord to forgive her. And she said, Lord, I promise from this day forth, I don't care what I look like. I know you made me, and you don't make no junk. So I repent, and I promise to love myself from this day forth. And you know what happened? Them cancers all fell off her face on the floor right before everybody's eyes. They have this on video, and I got to see it. Somebody said, you know, that's almost more than I can grasp. But did you know, if God commanded you to love your neighbor as yourself, and he commanded you first to love him, does you think he really meant what he said? You know what you should do every morning? You should get up and you should walk in there and look in the mirror and you should say, God, look at this good-looking thing. Woo! Look, with you in this thing, there ain't nothing men you can't do today. Amen. See? That's, That's what you ought to do. I mean, every man and woman ought to walk in and look in the mirror and say, woo oh, God. I may not be much with what I am, but boy, with you and me, ain't me and you together, nothing me and you can't do today, Lord. You think that make the king happy? Yeah. What do you think, young lady? Yeah. Sure. Now, if he made you, can you only imagine what God has to go through to make every one of us different? Yeah. You ever try to make just four or five or six things that looks this much alike but can be this different? Do you ever try to make five fingers on a hand on just a couple of dozen people and make every fingerprint different? Do you ever try to make six billion people on the earth and not one single one of them got the same fingerprint on a single hand? Can you imagine what that must involve God? And he goes to that kind of detail to make you, and then you have the audacity to say, I don't love this thing that you made. He said, I don't like that. I want you to love it. Take care of it. Do the best you can. Because I love you. And you say, but I don't love it. I hate it. Self-hatred, I've come to realize, brings all kinds of sickness and disease upon the human being. It's amazing what it does. If you want to grow old, and you want to grow old, and you want to have smooth skin, you want to have five hands at work when you get to be old, 80 or 90. In fact, I talked to a man, talked to his wife first yesterday, and I asked her, I knew them. She called me and wanted me to pray for somebody. And I said, how are you doing? She said, well, I'm doing great. I said, well, how's your husband doing? I haven't talked to him in a while. Well, she said he's out in the shop. He's a deacon in the Baptist Church. She said he's out in the shop doing something with his tractor. I said, How old is he? She said he's only 92. Still out in the shop working on his tractor. A man that's walked in obedience to God's word. A woman that's walked in obedience to God's word that's done everything for anybody, walked in love with God. And their selves and their children, and everything—all these years, walked in purity and holiness. And he's 92 out in the shop working on his tractor, and no sickness and disease. Is that awesome? What did God command us to do? Walk in love. If you walk in love, if you keep His commandments under the old law, which was sealed in the blood of bulls and goats he would put no sickness and disease upon you if you keep all of his commandments and all of his statutes well this is a new commandment that i give you i command you to love me god with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength and then your neighbor as yourself if you and i walked in that kind of love how much sickness and disease would we have not, not any. Now listen to what he says goes on here. After we get in 1 Peter 2, we're back there in verse 24 now, of oh, actually 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now somebody's going to threaten you. It's going to really get bad. Brother, if you don't straighten your act up, I'm going to get even with you. Or is it easy for a man right there to retaliate to another man? You just come ahead and see what happens to you. That's man, right? That's flesh. I mean, probably a few women in the world could do that to you too. I don't know. Because you all are flesh and blood too. But when, when we're threatened, what are we to do? Are we to retaliate? Absolutely not. What are we supposed to do? See, my wife has learned real good what to do. Anytime I don't do exactly what she wants me to do, she don't say a word to me. Just loves me, hugs me, and then she goes in the other room and goes up to the throne of grace and says, Dad, this husband you give me, he's not doing what I want him to do. <laughs> You're going to have to change him. She's a smart woman, you know that? Haven't you learned really that you can't change a husband? You know, you've learned that? He's a stiff neck obstinate critter. But God can change him. So you girls, especially you young women here today, if you think you can change your husband, I got news for you: you can't change him. But I tell you, I know the one who can. And when you grow up in daddy's lap and you go to the throne of grace in the third heaven, like Hebrews four sixteen says, and you—did you know this is a privilege you girls have? Some of you girls, uh, some of you might have had a great daddy at home, and I hope all of you did. But I got a feeling all of you did not. If you really had a daddy that loved you at home, when you were a little girl, if you needed something, you could run and jump up in daddy's lap, put your arms around his neck and kiss him on the cheek a couple of times, whisper, gee, little daddy, I sure would like to have this. And what did daddy do? He just fell apart. Yes, my little dear, whatever you want. He would do anything for you. Well, now, let me tell you, if you're a sweetheart and you're walking in total obedience to God's love, and you're loving the Father, and you're doing what He said on earth, you can run and you can jump up into your Father's. You can run and jump up into His arms and ask Him for anything, and He will do it. What is this, what is this little beep beep? Yeah. Yeah, we don't play games in a healing school with a piece of toy. We don't do that. No beep beeps in my healing schools. We come to hear God's Word. We listen to God's Word. Then he says here, he says, After we commit those people to the Lord who judges righteously, then he says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, That we being dead to sin. Now, this is the way God sees you. You are dead to sin. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now, if we died when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, God literally sees you and me as dead people. So, if you're dead and you stay dead, then you should live unto righteousness. Because if you allow Christ to live through you, you're not going to live a life of sin with Christ living through you. You can't do anything but do it God's way. As long as He is living through you, you cannot sin until you come down off the cross and resurrect this beast that you live in we call the flesh. Isn't that amazing? So if you stay dead... If you leave the flesh dead as God sees it, when you come to Christ and accept Him, your flesh is dead, and as far as what the devil can see and God can see, this piece of flesh that we live in is dead to sin, so therefore we should live unto righteousness. Now then, how do you think we as human beings do so many things wrong, and how in the world does the devil put sickness and disease upon a dead body? He cannot. But guess what happens whenever somebody does something that you don't like? What do you do to this flesh that you live in? Are you like me? Can you resurrect this beast in a hurry and bring it back to life and jump at somebody's throat and be talking evil about them? I hope you're not like me. We can do that. We've been guilty of haven't we? Everybody in here has done that. If you will stay dead to sin, then you will live unto righteousness. And if you live unto righteousness, then the last line of verse 24 says what? By His stripes you're what? You were healed. If were is past tense, right? Right? As long as you leave the flesh dead and walk holy before God under the new covenant, how much sickness and disease are you going to have? Nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that. I like no sickness. I like I was healed. Don't you, young lady? That means if I was, I am. And so I don't have to be sick no more. Now then, what if we resurrect this beast and we bring it back to life and we don't meet all of the criteria of the above verses and we do wicked things and we don't stay dead and we do talk evil about people and we do revile and when we threaten, we don't turn them over to the but we don't get even with them. We put the sign on the back of our car, this car connect, uh, protected by Smith & Wesson. You put a den in it and you're a dead man. You ever seen a sign like that on the back of a car? Sure. That's the flesh talking, isn't it? Don't you hurt my car, I'll hurt you. Isn't that amazing? We can really come back to life in a hurry, especially if it's something that's our God. Cheryl asked me the other day, she said, how are you going to do this? We were talking about these kind of things. I said, you know what I'm going to have to do? The Lord says offenses will come, but don't receive them. I said, you know what an offense really is? That's when somebody does not meet your expectation. That's when you receive an offense. So you think that this man ought to do this, and if he doesn't do it, just exactly like you thought he should then you're offended, and you receive an offense. If your wife doesn't do, you think she should have wiped the counter off a little better and maybe had the dishes a little cleaner. And maybe she did the best she could, and maybe it wasn't good enough for you, so you were offended, so you said something to her that the dishes are not clean enough. I've come to realize, like I told her, don't expect nothing from nobody. And you can't be offended. Expect nothing from nobody. Just turn them over to God. Say, Lord, you've made them. They're your children. You do something. But I'm not going to expect anything. I'm just going to tell them what your word says. Then I'm going to let you do it. And if they do it or don't do it, I'm not going to be offended. Because I'm not going to expect anybody to do anything anymore. I can't be offended. Is that pretty hard to do that? Very hard. You really got to constantly be on your toes. Really got to be on your toes. Because if you expect somebody to do what they say they're going to do, and then they don't do it, then you're offended. And then there's a war. Because you're going to averse your offense. And then that's going to open a door to the devil. Can you imagine that because you get into unforgiveness, well, unforgiveness is a very serious sin. Cheryl has been really paying attention this last year since we've been married, and all the people that we minister to, the other day she said, you know, I've noticed a trend. I said, what's that? She said, every time somebody has cancer, there's some form of unforgiveness in their past. Without exception, everybody with cancer has unforgiveness. Wow. Or their mate, that's right. It doesn't necessarily have to be them, but either they have it or their mate has it. And this is something that a few years ago I would have never dreamed that a woman in a family could have unforgiveness and it make her husband sick. Somebody says, I don't believe that. Well, let me take you over here and show you in Matthew 18 where that's at. This is probably the most serious thing that we do in the church. That the Lord, he told us clearly in his word over and over and over, we are to hold no grudges or no unforgiveness toward no one for anything. In fact, before I go to Matthew 18, I want to go to Mark. I want to show you something here that's so powerful. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Word of God, Mark 11. Before I go to Matthew 18, In Mark eleven twenty two the Lord says, and Jesus answering, saying unto them, have faith in God. So if you have faith in God, this is what you should be able to do. Have faith in God in Mark eleven, twenty two. Now I was in the Baptist church for many, 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 many years of my life. About sixty five of my years. My first 65 years of my life I was in a Baptist church and I never heard this verse preached on not in a Sunday school class or in a church service in 65 years. I never heard the Baptist read that, this scripture. I'm fixing to read you in church. Never one time did I ever hear this verse. Mark 11, through 26. Verse, 23, verse 22 says you've got to have the God kind of faith. You've got to have the God kind of faith. If you have faith in God, for verily or truly I, Jesus, say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, that's an awful powerful scripture. Is it not, brother? What as a son of God under the new covenant, if you're working in obedience to his word, what kind of limitations did he put on you? What can you have? Whatever I say. Anything you say without mouth. So you better be careful what comes out of that thing, hadn't you? you better believe it. Good or bad, you will have it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Good or bad. You'll have it. Now look, if you have anything you say out of your mouth, then why in the world, when you wake up in the morning and you got a pain in your head or you got a runny nose, why is it that every Christian almost that I know wakes up and says, "Oh my gosh, I got the flu again"? But it's that time of the year. I, I mean, I know, I know, sir, you couldn't possibly be as dumb as I am. You never said nothing like that, did you? <laughs> He's laughing just like me. He probably almost as dumb as I was. I hope he wasn't. But I'm telling you, I make those dumb statements because I've, nobody would taught me this verse. I didn't know I could have what I said with my mouth. So, the devil's sitting there waiting, and as soon as I'm agreeing with him, then I'm sick. It's over. Done. I mean, I, next two or three weeks, somebody, I mean, uh, walk into church, Wow, you sure have a runny nose this morning. Yeah, you sound a little hurt. You got a headache to go with it. Oh yeah, I got a bum headache, and everything, and you know, I feel awful today. Nobody ever said, "Well, let me pray for you." Every once in a while, somebody might say, "Okay, sister, I'll pray for you," and they walk off, and guess what? They don't pray for you. They just said that. They don't pray for you. They don't believe sickness and disease comes from the devil. I mean, yep. You know, I mean, you, you walk in that front door and you got that runny nose. And first one walks in, whoa, sister, you got a runny nose this morning. You got the flu? Yeah, it's your walk up and Welcome. Misses, Sister Sue, she's got the flu this morning. Stay away from her. She's sick. <laughs> is that what we do? Yeah. Don't get too close to Sister Sue. You'll get the flu. She's got it this morning. And all you're doing is telling everybody she's got the flu. You're just putting it on her deeper and deeper and deeper. What do you say you have? Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. See, if we believed those verses, we'd walk up there and say, hey, you got a demon this morning. Mm-hmm. I want you to repent of your sin. I'm going to kick that devil out of you in Jesus' name. <laughs> now, see, that's the way the church should be, right? Yeah. That's like one... We had a couple up here in Justin. He was a music leader and his wife. They were a lovely couple. They were both working on their Ph.D. at the seminary and Bible. His wife... Came down to the point where she had an awful hard time breathing. Especially when she'd be in the choir when people had colognes and aftershave and stuff like that. So she thought that's what it was. And she'd get strangled and couldn't sing. One day I went to him and I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you what your problem is. I said, ma'am, you have a demon. <laughs> now Thurman, come on now. You know, I'm a Christian. You know, I couldn't have a demon. I thought, I'm going to tell you, that's the problem. You've got a demon. They wouldn't believe me. So one morning I came into church, and when I walked in, <clears throat> here was this woman standing there, and I walked up and I said, good morning, and I called her name and I said, how are you doing? And she was moving her mouth, but nothing was coming out. And so I was in a hurry going to my Bible study class, and I thought, "What?" I backed up, I looked around at it, and I said, are you okay? And tears were running out of her eyes. She was moving her mouth. She couldn't say a word. I said, you devil of hell. I just reached up and grabbed her by the shoulder and shook her right away. I said, come out of her, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. Just like that. That demon. Left, she said, she said, Thurman, Thurman, I couldn't breathe. I said, I know. I just, I've been trying to tell you, you got a demon. I told you so your husband should kick it out of you, but I said, neither one of you believe. But I said, now then, I've kicked him out. You're going to be okay. So, after church that day, her husband came and said, Thelma, my wife told me you kicked the devil out of this one. said, she couldn't breathe. I said, I've been telling you to, that's what your problem was, and you wouldn't either one believe. I said, that's what Jesus told us our problem was with the devil. I said, I didn't want to see the devil strangle your wife. I said, when I looked her in the face, she couldn't breathe. Tears were running out of the What was I going to do? Let the devil kill her? So I said, I just shook her and screamed, devil, come out of her. I said, he left and your wife was okay. He said, and she's perfectly okay right now. I said, when you learn that the devil is our problem, and Jesus has given you and me all power and all authority over the devil, I said, we'll start kicking demons out of each other instead of letting them kill us. So see, when you walk into church, those of you that get a little radical, when you begin to learn these things, you know, when you walk back to your normal denominational Baptist Pentecostal, you know, Assembly of God... Or whatever, and somebody comes in this morning and says, What's those things? Well, that's my, my, my hands at working. You know, on your computers, and, and or whatever. Or, and I try to lift stuff, and the doctor said, It's carpal tunnel. Oh, he said, Oh, no, no, it's not carpal tunnel, it's a, just a demon. Oh, let me show you. We said, and come out of her in the name of Jesus. And I said, Praise God, it's done, you're healed in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, they can move, and they say, Woo! I have done that so many times, I don't even know the number of times I've cast corporal tunnel demons out of people. I mean, well, Orville Crouch, when he was here just a couple of months ago to a healing school, seven years ago, when Orville came to me, he was a truck driver, and he had a corporal tunnel so bad in his right hand, he couldn't even squeeze the stern wheel on his truck. He could lay it on it, but he couldn't squeeze it. And this one was about half that bad. And when you're a truck driver and you can't squeeze the stern wheel, you're in trouble. So he come to a healing school. Him and his wife did, and at the intermission, he realized halfway through he'd already knew what his sin was. So him and his wife went outside, got their sins repented, and confessed of at the intermission, came back in when it was over. They were the first couple at the end of the healing school to come up, and I reached up and laid my hands on him and commanded a demon to come out of him, and that hand, which he could only bend it about that far was completely instantly healed. He could make a tight fist just like that. And just a month or two ago, he was at the healing school over in Dallas, and that man is still completely healed. And plus, you ought to have heard the testimony of the miracles he's seen God do himself since he has learned the truth of God's Word. He has turned that little Baptist church. He said in Combine, Texas, he said, I've turned that thing upside down. I said, no, well, it was already upside down. I said, you've turned it right side up with the Word of God. He's got them children down there healed and he's done all kinds of wonderful things. What happened? Oh, is that where that testimony is? Okay, if you want to hear his testimony, it's on that teaching back there about five crowns, the number four, five crowns is that testimony. He's got children healed with heart problems. I mean, you name it. Yeah, blindness. He's seen kids that were blind in his church healed. All kinds of things. If anybody in the or raised down or anybody else down there needs to be healed, they come to him. And I think about this, and then we're going to take a break. I think about this last week. I called and talked to a man right here in Justin. I hadn't even thought of this miracle in years. When I called him, he said, Praise God, I was just talking to some of the men, about some of these I do cool, that are here, and said, One of them mentioned your name. And I said, Thurman Schrodinger. said, Man, I know Thurman Schrodinger. So I went to church with him. In fact, he said years ago, he said, I'm a farmer and a rancher here, been here all my life. He's not, I don't think James is quite as old as I am, but he's getting up there pretty close. He's in his late 50s anyway, I think. But he said, I was roping some calves, and I fell off of a horse and broke my wrist. He said, I went to the doctor, and the doctor x-rayed and told me my wrist was broken, and they wanted to put a cast and everything, and I says, no. I'm going to go to God. So he just wrapped his wrist up, and the next day was Sunday, and James sat on the very back row, and he kept looking back down that aisle, waiting for me to come in from my Sunday school class. When I walked in, he stepped out of that aisle and went back there to his thumb. I said, what in the world have you got over your hand? He said, I broke my wrist. He said, I want you to pray for me. I said, James, you know if we pray, you got to believe if you want God to do something. He said, if you pray for me, I know it's not. I said, well, then let's go down front. No, no, no. The church has already started. They're singing down there. Don't let's Let's go back in the library. I said, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't do not one single thing for none of us. We don't want to do nothing where people can see what He's going to do. We want to go back in secret. When I said it's a good thing God's merciful, I said, okay, come on. We went back into the library. I reached up and laid my hands on, I said, be healed in the name of Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord, it's done. Instantly, his pain was gone. He went back up there, took the rope up, raised his hand, praised God, worship. and the next morning, he's roping cows with that hand, and he's never had another pain in that hand to this day. But on Saturday, he had confirmation. His wrist was broken. But Sunday, when we prayed in church, God instantly healed him. What is it God honors? Faith. And it is written after you've walked in love and obedience to His Word. Now then, what if you're living in some kind of sin and you come to God and say, Lord, I want you to do this for me. First of all, you can't have faith without love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 said, Your faith works by love. How much love you got, young lady? You got a lot? Amen. If you've got a lot to, you have a lot of faith as you get the Word in you. If you're not willing to walk in love, you can't have much faith. you can have all the Word of God memorized completely. But if you're not willing to walk in love, you can't make nothing work with God. It don't work. You've got to walk in love. But if you walk in love, he said, then come and ask me for anything. In fact, we come back over here to this young man over here one more time. Mark 11:23. what did the king say you can have? Whatever, I say? whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know that if you say something enough times with your mouth, you will begin to believe it with your heart, even if it's a lie? Yeah, I've experienced that, yeah. You know what I mean, don't you? Oh, yeah. If you tell something enough times, it will become a reality to you and your heart, and you know it was a lie but you say it enough times and it will become a reality. And that's why so many people in the church are sick because we say the wrong things. We speak sickness and disease upon ourselves. I can think of a man and his wife back in Goldsway, Texas years ago that she began to come down with, in fact, her mother had had alzheimer's and you know as a young man i don't know how many times i heard her say well my mother had alzheimer's so i guess i'll have alzheimer's do you see anything wrong with what she's saying what the lord say you can have whatever you say with your mouth so over the years She saw mother die with Alzheimer's and she said, well, mother had this, so I guess I'll just be my burden to bear. I guess I'll have Alzheimer's too. And guess what she came down with a few years later? Alzheimer's. And she died with it because she had said it so many times. She had ingrained it into her and then she had no idea how to get free from it. But you can get healed from anything if you believe this book. Before, I t- before we take a break, I've got one more thing I want to finish on Mark 11:24, 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So if you're saying the wrong thing, believing the wrong things, you shall have them. You want to make sure you're saying the right things. And then, after making these two magnificent promises, which are limitless in power, what we can have from the King? Do you see any limit other than what we say? If you can have what you say, that's pretty awesome. God would give you that kind of power, in it, young lady? Then look what He says. And when you stand praying in verse twenty-five, forgive, forgive. If you have against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And you might add this little phrase, neither will you get healed. If He does not forgive you, If you do not forgive people that you've got a sin against, if you have unforgiveness towards someone, anyone, for anything, I don't care, it may be your mate, it may be a child, it may be a man that done you dirty in a business deal. It might, if you're a woman, it might be a man that raped you when you were three years old and you've hated that man all of your life because he defiles you. Well, let me tell you, get over it. Forgive them, or I'm going to tell you what. The Lord says, if you don't forgive them, I will not forgive you. And guess what? If you don't forgive, you're going to be sick and tormented all the days of your life on this earth. And when you die, you're going to go to hell instead of heaven. You will not go to heaven if you die with unforgiveness in your heart. Because when you stand before the throne of grace, and the king says... You did not forgive Brother John or Sister Sue on earth since you did not forgive them, neither have I forgiven you. And if I don't forgive you, you're not coming into my heaven. You have to be forgiven. But you say, Lord, I'm washed in the blood. Well, I hate to say this, but you can be washed in the blood. And if you don't forgive, the Word of God says you can't be forgiven. Be forgiven. And if you don't forgive, not only will it keep sickness and disease upon you and a tormenting spirit all of your life. But this is the devastating thing. When we come back from break, I'm going to show you from the Word of God where if you're the woman and you've got unforgiveness, it can kill your husband. Or if you're the husband, it can kill your wife. And if it's either one of you, it can bring sickness and disease upon your children and can kill your children. Your child may have never committed a sin. They may be 3 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, never, say say they're 1 or 2 years old. I've seen children that was 1 day or 1 week old that's born and 1 or 2 or 3 days of liver failure. Unforgiveness or many other sins. But those little children are dying because of their parents' sin. We have to learn these truths from God's Word. When you walk holy, under the old law of God said, if you will walk holy and do what I tell you, I will not only bless you, but I will bless your children. But see, that's rules never changed. If you will walk in love, love him under the new covenant, and love your neighbor, and you love yourself, and you walk holy and teach your children these same precepts and everything not only will He bless you, but He will also bless your children. But if you hold a grudge and unforgiveness three and four generations into the future, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren can be born with crippling different diseases because of your sin as far back as three and four generations. Who would ever dream that you could be, you could get unforgiveness toward a person as a mother or a father and your great-great-granddaughter be born with autism or cerebral palsy because of your sin or a missing arm or a leg. If you knew that, you would never go there, would you? Absolutely would not. Plus, if you thought when you died you couldn't get to heaven, that would be an incentive for you to forgive, wouldn't it? really would. Now, you think, nope, 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 I'm I'm not going to forgive, even on that. Okay, let me give you a little bitty tiny idea of what hell's going to be like. This afternoon when you leave, you go home and you turn on just the fire on your stove. Or if you've got an electric one, just turn it on until it's red. And then you put your time clock up there on Five seconds and you push it for five and starts counting, and you reach over and put one finger on that red-hot deal, and just hold it there until that clock dings at five seconds and see how you like that. All of you know what that's going to feel like, don't you? It's going to be awful, and that's going to be very minor, and hell's going to be like that only a thousand times worse for your whole body forever. I can't even fathom that, can you? No, I can't fathom that. I do know I hate pain, and there's only one thing I hate more than pain, and that's a little more pain to go with the pain. You all know where I'm coming from, right? You don't like pain either. Now then, we're going to, we're going to take an offering up before we take a break. This is when we do this at the halfway point at the healing school. Uh, Cheryl's going to get uh, somebody to help her back there. I don't know who. Maybe Philip will help her or whatever. And then as soon as we come back from the break, we're going to take up our offering. This is where we support our ministry. And uh, we're going to do this uh, to take up the offering. And while they're getting ready, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to bless the giver, the gift and the giver. And may you bless everybody according to their gift. In Jesus' name, amen. At all Heathen schools, I'd like to give at least one or two or three of you an opportunity if you have a wonderful testimony that Jesus has done for you that you'd like to give us, come up here. That, she was jumping at the bits. I knew something was going on here when I said that. So let's see what the Lord has done there.
2: I'm Lynn Smith, and I'm from Fort Worth. And for 26 years, I was, um was my gig. Twenty-six years of being bound, and I'm into deliverance, and I'm free from all of that stuff.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, you just don't realize. Brother, you got one? Come up here and tell us, give us your testimony. Now, you don't realize how the enemy binds us up in so many ways. Can I preference it a little?
2: We can do anything you want to
0: do, sir. So. No problem.
2: Back in January, well, I guess I saw you on God's Learning Channel. And we live in a part of the world. We get two channels. That's one of them. And you gave the Caitlin testimony and I just was amazed, you know. And so I ordered a few tapes and listened to those tapes. And then two years ago, I'd been to a meeting where a lady had got run over by a trailer over her head. She gave a Real outstanding testimony on how the Lord healed her, and I didn't know her at the time. Well, this year in January I got to meet her, so I had some questions for her. And she hasn't been to the doctor in 27 years, and the Lord's her physician and the healer. So I had uh, had gout since the 70s, and my wife went and refilled my prescription in January. Well, I found out that the Lord has healed me of that gout, and I said, "Well, I didn't need them pills. I'm healed." So I was finding out that he could heal me in some little things. And I was really excited about this. Well, April 1st, I went out in the country and was picking up a tractor. and I loaded it on my trailer and I left it in neutral and got off and it was still running. I got off and raised my tailgate up and let the loader down and unhooked the piece. And I got in behind it to tie something down on the deck. Never had a clue when that tractor run into me and pinned me against the front, and it cracked my right thigh bone. I heard it crack when it hit me. And so immediately I went to praying, Lord, I need some help. I'm 40 miles from the house. So I get, I'm able to get out from the, under my tractor up on the deck, and I laid there 10 or 15 minutes, just praying, Lord, give me no pain. Give me healing, no arthritis. I've listened to some of your tapes and you know, man, I need some help. And after about 15 minutes, I was able to get out on the ground. I still had to tie that stuff down, drive home 40 miles, walked in the house and I told my wife, I said, we need to get my boots off, my clothes off, I broke my leg. It wasn't a clean break, but it was cracked, you know. So anyway, we went to bed and uh, I was in there about 30 days. One from the church come and pray for me. uh, I got up. They told me to put them crutches down. And I got up and walked to the end of the room. And they got ready to leave. So I walked out the mailbox and got the mail and put the crutches in the closet. And I'm probably better now than I was. So he's a mighty healer. And I don't want to be like I was in 2 Corinthians 16, 12, and 13. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a lot of time in the Word that 30 days, and there's lots of promises in there, and uh, I want to be there. I want Him to be my physician. He is Amen. from now on. But I never took an aspirin. I never took an anacin. I never took anything that 30 days. Amen.
0: Praise so, the Lord. Praise God. Amen. 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 Right. Now, he said Second Corinthians, but he meant Second Chronicles. Yeah. It was a little off. Awesome. Oh, yes, ma'am? Yeah, but uh, praise the King. He's getting there. Glory to God. You get a broken leg healed. That's great. He's our deliverer. And talking
1: about Lynn, you had just taught us the first time I'd heard about the the uh, Masons about six weeks before we met Lynn. The first time I've ever seen demons speak out of a person's mouth. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. And he's sitting right in front of me, and I'm like, Well, this is really cool. This is what everyone's talking about. And we all just said, doesn't matter what your name is. They tried tried to speak out of his mouth, tell us their names, and spell their names. And we all said, there was about six of us, we don't care what your name is. You've got to get out in Jesus' name because he had repented, we'd taken, they came out.
0: Amen, amen, amen. Wow, praise the Lord. Yes, brother, come on up here, man, this is good.
3: I'd like to give it. I'd like to give a testimony from my wife. Okay. We go in for a quarterly visit to the doctor, and they run blood samples on us and so forth, and they come up with something that didn't quite look right on my wife's blood samples. So they uh, run a biopsy on her liver, and she had um, uh, autoimmune hepatitis. She was in the third stage of it, uh, phase one, which was, was deteriorating real fast. And it was in the earliest stages of it. And, uh, we went to, uh, uh, our church and, uh, our pastor and so forth prayed on us and prayed on her. And, uh, we ended up having to go to Galveston to a specialist up there and we run a bunch more blood samples and so forth up there. And they couldn't find nothing wrong. They told her that she has the, Stuff right here. They told her to go home and lose a little weight. And they'd come back in three months. And she came back, and on that report there, it says post autoimmune hepatitis. So it's gone. Amen. Praise the Lord.
0: Isn't it wonderful what God will do? Yes,
3: sir. Yes, sir. It is. Good to know he's a healer. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. read Anybody else? You want to give one? Come on up here. Just come on. Tell us what you want to do. This is good stuff now. I love it.
1: Well, mine's a little different, but
4: we was here last time, and we came, and my car had been giving me trouble, and every time I stopped to get gas, or we stopped to eat, we got in and it would not start. So we'd pray. God started. Next time we turned the key, it would go. Well, I got home. Got her, my friend, back home. She lives about 25 miles from me,
1: and uh, got in my car the next morning to go to work. Wouldn't start.
4: Praying didn't help that time, and I found out it needed a new battery. But God had started every time on this trip
0: here Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But it works on your car too? Amen. It sure does. Amen. God answers prayer. Yell yeah, one. Two. Uh, my
5: first year of college well, I was raised in a, um, a Christian denomination But we we didn't know about the power of the Holy Spirit And I needed it real bad <laughs> For a lot of different reasons So I just gave up By the time college came around I was like, well there's no way I'm going to be able to be pleasing to God Because I was trying to send my own strength And uh, no grace And so I was exhausted So I just kind of went off the deep end And, and um, so I started drinking So I got I got drunk one night woke up the next morning my stomach felt like I had swallowed a piece of charcoal that was on fire I mean it was just excruciating and all the way down my esophagus into my stomach was just burning and I was I was just majorly tormented. so uh, I went to the infirmary and they checked me out I said oh you've got a little gastritis you know we'll give you this and take this and it'll, it'll be gone in a few days well five years later I still got it and uh, yeah every day I mean I I went to six or seven doctors across the country, several of them specialists, gastroenterologists, went, you know, did the nutritional approach, um, you know, every kind of natural medicine, and uh, went to Environmental Health Center at Dallas. and you know, th- That's where the Mayo Clinic will send people there if they don't know what to do with them. And, um, they said, we don't know what's wrong with you. They said, for some reason, you're allergic to your own stomach's gastrointestinal enzymes. Um, even So my body was secreting juices that I was allergic to. Um, I was allergic to every food you can think of except for pork. I mean, anything from salt, pepper, you know, chlorine, fluoride, every weed, tree, grass, mold. They came in and they actually did video photography on me to show what someone that's highly allergic looks like, because they, you know, my arm was just totally red with it. So I was a mess and in pain every minute. And a friend of mine calls and says, you know, how are you? And it's a long story. But in any case, he got together with me, shared with me, you know, for about a 24-hour period, really, just scripture after scripture. And I caught hold of Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, about by the stripes I'm healed, and Matthew 8, 17, and how, you know, it was talking about physical healing, not just making you feel better about your circumstances. And I, I saw that, and man, he prayed for me, and um, I, the presence of God hit me, which I've never experienced before. And um, I passed gas for two hours, and I felt, I literally felt um, the junk that was in my stomach draining out as if the water was going out of the sink. I mean, I felt it leaving, and... Um, and we worshiped God for, you know, two, three hours. And anyway, was that, this is the before. This was uh, before. I was down to about 110 pounds wow. at my worst. I was allergic to everything. So And then this was just right after it. I mean, it was like just.
0: Night and day.
5: Yeah. Tw- like 30 days later, I had gained like 25 pounds and was real healthy. And
0: So, wow.
5: God is good. Yeah, yeah. good. Oh yeah. I mean, amen. Thank you for the Lord.
0: Glory to God. Got well, some great testimonies. Anybody else? You got one? Come on up here. Praise the Lord. I mean, we're, we're on a roll now. Goodness gracious. These testimonies are awesome.
4: Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, help me because I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> um, first of all, I'd like to add to Eleanor's testimony. The day before, we had gone 290 miles back home. And we were having the same problem then. And then we live 150 miles from here. So we put on like 700 miles on that car with that dead battery. (laughs) Okay, about six weeks ago, I was a mess. I was walking with a cane. I would not get out of bed unless I absolutely had to because I was in such pain, I couldn't hardly move my joints at all. I did a lot of crying, feeling sorry for myself too, on top of everything else. Um, I was to the point where I could not put my hands behind my back to dress myself. I mean that was I stayed in my night clothes most of the day unless I absolutely had to go out. I went to a support group meeting of loved ones of prisoners and John said I was complaining <laughs> the doctors were not addressing my pain they were more concerned with my high blood pressure which I have had all my life they were more concerned with me being overweight they were more concerned with my thyroid problem they were more concerned with they were not addressing the pain so I had some unrepeated anger too and John says you need to see my doctor I'm like fed up to hear with doctors, you know. And he says, His name is Dr. Jesus. And all he did was give me Caitlin's tape and um, the battle. And I said I would listen to him. And I went home. And about three days later, I did listen to him. And that, yeah, (laughs) I can't keep him in stock, is what it is. (laughs) But, um,. I realized that what it said was true. If I have enough faith in me to believe that when I accepted Christ into my heart that he's going to take me to heaven with him, why do I not have enough faith in me to believe that he's going to heal me? Amen. And that was my bottom line. And so, I totally, (laughs) if the television comes on, it is just, Maybe to watch the weather. And I laugh at that, too. I think that's one of God's funny jokes. Um, but I do not do anything anymore without prayer. And the other, well, this past week, I had been going downhill. Some of the old pains were coming back. Um, I had been losing weight at about two-tenths of a pound a day, and that stopped. I had put on even a couple pounds. And I said, Lord, what have I done? I know there has been something. And I have always been saying every morning, every noon, every night, every time I prayed, it would be, thank you for my continued healing. Well, I was sitting there crocheting and listening to one of Thurman's tapes, and he was talking about the little flapper valve that wasn't working in Caitlin. And he says, it's done. And I said, Lord, is that what I have done? When you say continuous, it's not done. It's still being worked on. Well, praise the Lord. It is done.
0: Amen. <laughs> wow. That's why she's walking today without a cane, isn't it? it? Makes a big difference. Praise the Lord. Wow. Anybody else? Anybody else? This little lady up here?
1: Can it. You <laughs> um, this man right here was sharing about his wife having autoimmune hepatitis my daughter she's seven years old and she was diagnosed with the same thing last year august of last year they did a liver biopsy and said she already had cirrhosis of the liver and said it just depends on how medication can hold her off but she's eventually going to have to have a liver transplant could be two years could be 20 years but she's going to have to have one So I told my husband, I said, if the doctors... I've been listening to Thurman's tapes. I would heard Caitlin's story before we found out she was sick. I ordered more tapes after we found out she was sick. And I just kept listening and listening. And I finally told my husband, you know, I said, if these doctors ever say we are going for the transplant, I said, I'm going to see Thurman. We're from Georgia. I said, we're flying out there. We're doing whatever we got to do, but we're going to get her healed without surgery and so this June I think it was June very recently anyway we went to our our specialist in Jacksonville Florida sent us to a specialist at um, Eggleston in Atlanta and it was a liver transplant specialist and he said your daughter is pretty much quit growing and that is a result of the liver disease and he said if she does not grow by December We're going to start looking for a living donor probably about a year from now. So probably next June, they were looking toward doing a liver transplant. So I called my husband. He actually gave us more symptoms, and he said, if any of these things happen, call us immediately. So she and I, my dad had some surgery. She and I went together to Atlanta, just the two of us, and she started having some of those symptoms that the doctor had said look for. So I picked up the phone and I called my husband and I said, I'm calling the doctor in the morning just to see what he wants us to do. I said, you start making travel plans. We're going to Texas. So he got up the next morning. He made, he called to make sure we could come in and all that kind of stuff. We met with Pastor Scrivener yesterday and praise the Lord, my daughter is not going to have to have
0: any surgery. Amen. We're done. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. Wow. Is there, is there anybody else that we got it all? Right? Praise the Lord. You want me to brother? It's fun giving away your tapes. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. It's fun giving away my tapes. Uh, okay. Praise the Lord. Well, it's fun for you to give them away because it's fun for us to make them. It's fun for us to hear all these praise reports. It's just awesome to see what God said in His Word that we don't believe. Now then, I'm going to, right quick, I'm going to uh, go over uh, in Matthew 18, when we uh, hit that magnificent promise in uh, Mark 11. You do realize that in Mark 11, uh, verses 22 through 24, is some of the most powerful things, most powerful promises. Now, I want you to think about this now. As we get into the last days... I want you to realize there's going to be things the enemy's going to throw at us that's going to try to prevent us from getting the things that we need. He's gonna like right now, uh they've got a deal, I don't know, I hadn't heard much about this, but I know there's something this lady here was just telling me but if they pass some law you won't be able to be able to buy vitamin C. So I want you to know something. That if you believe this book, that magnificent promise we read in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, what did the Lord say you could have, brother? Whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart. I'm going to tell you what the day may come as Christians, and some people will think this is the most absurd thing you ever heard of. But did Jesus say you could have whatever you say with your mouth? the day is going to come to those of us that believe the Word of God. Not only will we lay hands on the sick and they get healed. Not only will we cast out demons. Not only will we control the storms and the weather and the things like this. But when the devil makes things happen where you can't buy certain foods or certain vitamins or anything else, The Lord says you can have whatever you sow with your mouth. I can take that little bit of water in that bottle out there and I'll say, Father, in the name of Jesus, make that all the vitamin C I need for this week. In the name of Jesus, that water in that bottle, I command it to be supernaturally strengthened with vitamin C and all other vitamins and I'm saying with my mouth this water that I'm fixing to drink has every vitamin, everything in it I need to sustain this body for the next week in the name of Jesus. And when you drink it in faith it's going to do exactly what you said. Now see, when you get to the point like this brother said when the tractor ran against him when you realize you've got angels there and a lot of people don't know this. But you have angels there, and if a tractor rolls down and pins you and cracks a bone on your leg, you need to know as sons and daughters of God, walking in obedience to His Word, walking in love, you have these magnificent beings called angels that you can call into existence, and you can say, Father, I need an angel move this tractor up of me. In the name of Jesus, angel, I command you to move this tractor away from me. And you'll see that tractor move. Now then, if you can't do that by faith, I'm going to give you an example. That wall right there, I want you to try and look at that half of that wall right there. That wall is 18 foot tall and 22 and a half feet long from the center of this beam right here over to right there. You look at that wall and that wall is double two by sixes. One day, that wall was laying here on the floor, 18 feet out on the floor, double by sixes, and the man that's upstairs up there on the, on the recording equipment that's monitoring and doing all the switching with the cameras and everything else, he was over on this side of that wall, and I was on this side of the wall, and he and I had the audacity to think that he and I could stand that wall up just by ourselves. Well, let me tell you, we didn't make it. We tried, but we couldn't stand it up there. We could get it up about so high, but we could not get it up there. <clears throat> so after no air conditioning in here, very hot summer day, sweat pouring down off of both of us, we went over there and sat down in that opening over there where the entryway is with no glass or no building enough, just a roof over it at that time. We're drinking a little drink of cold water, and Dave, he said, Thurman, we messed up. I said, what do you mean? He said, we didn't ask the Father to send us an angel to help us lift that wall up. I said, you're right. I said, Father, forgive me for not asking an angel to help me. So we drank our water and we come back over here. And I said, okay, Father. He said, ask anything in your name and you'll do it. So I'm asking you to send us an angel. I said, angel, I know you're here because I'm doing this in faith. I said, angel, I'm asking you to get a hold of this wall and you help us stand this wall up right now in the name of Jesus. I said, thank you for doing it. I said, Father, thank you for sending the angel. I said, you ready, Dave? He said, I'm ready. He got on that side. I got on this side. I said, let's go. And we picked that wall right up and bam, just as easy as it could be. That thing is 18 foot 6 inches tall and 22 and a half feet long. And it was double 2 by 6's. And I'm telling you, a double 2 by 6 wall is heavy that big. It was absolutely no strain on me and no strain on him. And we literally just, I mean, I didn't, it was like I hardly even picked up anything. We just had our hands on it. That angel just picked that ball up and we set it right in place. You need to know that you have angels. You need to know that in the days ahead as the devil comes against us everywhere in the world we have these magnificent beings called angels that are sent to help us, the children of God that will believe Him. I I have done an entire series teaching on angels and we have many angel stories on those tapes. that I don't... believe have those here today or not, honey? Yeah, but not. Sure. not? Yeah. Okay, she said they're there. So if you haven't listened to our angel tapes, you need to get them. Or the CDs or something. Or the video, whatever. Well, we we'll have it on video. I think we even have it on DVD and everything now, I think. Don't have, don't have it on CD yet? Okay. Haven't done, yet. haven't done that yet. We will have that in the future. But... These angels are magnificent beings that are sent to help us. Now, angels can also do great and mighty things for you. They can also make you sick. So, you don't want want to provoke your angel. In other words, the Word of God says in Psalms, it clearly says that the angels, in fact, I think it's Psalm 103, verse 20, I believe it is, 103 verse 20, that the angels hearken to God's word spoken in the earth today. Now how in the world does the word of God get spoken in the earth today? That's exactly right. Out of mine in your mouth. So when we speak God's word out of our mouth and it's in obedience to the word, the angels hearken to that And they come and help us do great and mighty things. I've had angels do awesome things for me. One of the stories, I'll tell you right quickly one of those. One of the stories of one of the ladies, an elderly lady, which is on the video or on the teaching. We were doing the teaching in the upstairs Bible class. Only a handful of people here when i done that. But anyway, that handful of people that was there. One of the ladies, we did it over several nights. We didn't do it in one night. But uh, one of the ladies, an elderly lady in her 80s, she said a few years ago, she had an experience with an angel. She said, I was pulling off the freeway, and I ran out of gas on the off-ramp. My car quit running, and I looked down, and know the gas gauge is on empty. And I thought, oh, my goodness, my car is out of gas. She said, my first thought was, somebody will come flying off of this ramp, hit me right in the rear end. You know, and because of work and everything else. So she said, "Well, I, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've got to have some help. And she said, immediately, a white wrecker pulled off of the ramp, pulled right up in front of me, backed up, stopped. A guy in a white suit gets out without a mark on it, attaches to my car goes around, gets back in or picks the front end of my car up, pulls down, goes around the corner to a gas station, pulls me up in front of a gas pump, and stops and lets me down and waves and drives (laughs) off. Now how did he know she needed gas? He didn't ask her Do you think God hears our prayers? Absolutely. She said, I have no idea who that guy was. said he was driving a beautiful record that was perfectly clean, white, and he had a white suit on and didn't, got, didn't get not one spot of dirt on him picking up my car and taking it up there. And when he released it, just laid it down and just waved and got in his record and drove off. Never said a word to me. Not a word. But yet he knew she needed help, picked up her car. I said, why didn't you say something? She said, I was too dumbfounded to say anything. And not We ask God for help. He sends the help. And we're amazed. But you're right. We should never be amazed at our God. What can our God do? He can do so many things. And you're going to have to get to the point that you're going to have to learn to pray in faith. Now, here's the thing you've got to realize when it comes to healing. If what this young man said a few while ago, he said when he got a hold of this at Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, and in fact, before we go to those, I'm going to go one last thing that shows you why so many people are sick. We've talked about a lot of those today. But another one, which is the most powerful one, and this brings the most serious sickness upon people and their children. Matthew chapter 18. This is so important. And Matthew 18, and we'll start with verse 21. And this, I will show you where this will bring sickness not only to you, but to your mate and to all of your children, especially those children that are under the age of accountability that are still at home. Now, look what the Lord says. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say unto you until seventy, I I say not unto thee until seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Big difference between seven and four hundred ninety, isn't it? That's a lot, but there must be a reason Jesus said that, isn't there? Must be a very good reason that you would... Peter thought he's really going out on a limb if I'm going to forgive him for seven times in one day. I mean, that lousy heathen, you don't know what he did to me. <clears throat> That's what we say, isn't it? I might forgive him once. I mean, I've even heard women say this, to, and husbands say this to the women. The woman makes a mistakes. She comes in and says, will you forgive me? He said, I'll forgive you this time, moment, but don't ever let it happen again. <laughs> yeah, he really forgave her, didn't he? Don't never let that happen again. Because well, what's he trying to say? You do it again, I won't never forgive you. Well, see, he has no idea what he's doing. No idea. But Peter was told by Jesus to forgive not only seven times in one day, but seventy times seven. Or actually what he's trying to say, an endless number of times. Then he explained to him why. Verse 23 says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven lacking like under a certain king. Now, where is the kingdom of heaven today? It's in us. Amen. This is the kingdom of heaven, has come to the earth today, and the kingdom of heaven is in you and me today. So, this is what he's talking about. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven lacking like under a certain king which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, there was one that was brought unto him, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. Now I'm reading the fine print at the bottom of my verse there, and mine says ten thousand talents is three point eight four billion dollars in silver. I mean, that's a pretty good-sized bed, isn't it? That's pocket change for you and me, though, right, young lady? Yeah, for your mouth that's pocket change, right? My class too. That's the only one that's pocket change too. That's even pretty significant money even to Bill Gates, you know it? $3.84 billion. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. But it didn't stop there, did it? And his wife. And his children. And all that he had and payment to be made. Now, who's going to have to pay this debt? The whole family plus all his assets. In other words, everything is going to become legal right of the devil if you have unforgiveness. Not just you. Then he goes on after he explains this. He says, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Pretty big debt he's got here. But what was the first thing he did right? He worshipped. What can you do before God if you want to see God do miracles? Worship Him. Guarantee. I've got a teaching on what it takes to see God do miracles. And one of the things I teach on extensively in there is worship and praise the King. If you go through life worshiping and praising Him, I mean, I can think. I used to walk into my workplace there at Sky Shift. That last seven years I was in the workforce before the Lord got me kicked out and put me in the ministry full time, which I love this a whole lot more than I ever did working in the world. But I would walk into the workplace, sometimes walk in and say, Praise God, how's everybody doing this People all over the place. Praise the Lord this morning. Oh, Jesus is so wonderful. But then when somebody needed something, they come to you, and you take that little uh, Adelina that morning that burned her arm so bad, and she was screaming, and all the skin burned off her arm. And, I mean, they was trying to pour cold water on her and salve and everything else. She'd fell in the big oven... And all that skin from here to here was all burned and blistered and black. And I went up there and put my hand on her and quoted Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And in the translation of Isaiah 53, 4, it says, He bore our pain. So if He bore your pain, He didn't plan for you to have to bear it. So I reached up and laid my hand on her and said, And Isaiah 53, 4, Jesus bore your pain so you want it to bear it. Then I said, in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's pretty awesome too, isn't it? Yeah. But then I said in Mark eleven twenty-three, the king says, Whatever I say with my mouth, I can read with my heart. Now see, if I have just took Mark 11, or Mark chapter 16, and laid my hands on her, and said, Be healed, according to Mark 16, verse 18, then he says, You will get well. But it might take a while. I don't know how long it will take. But see, you goes by faith according to the Word. But I didn't stop there. I said, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, I can have whatever I say with my mouth if I believe it with my heart. So I said, Woman, well, I guarantee you will get a supernatural healing from the King and His name is Jesus. Now see, I didn't want her on to get healed in three months. I wanted a supernatural healing so everybody would know only he could have done it. And I guaranteed her she would get it. Because Jesus said, I could have whatever I say with my mouth if I believe with my heart. Is that what he said brother? So we're cutting the king short too much, aren't we? We're a bunch of dummies. We have believe the devil instead of our king. We don't know who he is. The devil, somebody will come up and you know the devil that day Whenever I spoke that and said on the devil says, "But what if he don't?" I mean, that thought come right behind it. I walked off saying, "You devil of hell, you got to me too late." I said, "I know what the King will do. I don't believe you. It's done in minutes." I mean, I walked off praising God, thanking Him. I said, "Woman, guarantee you're going to get a supernatural healing from the King, and His name's Jesus." You walk off, and in minutes. This big burn from here to here. And all of a sudden the pain's all gone. No pain. So she won't go to the doctor. So she serves the evening meal in the cafeteria and everybody sees this huge burn all over her arm. And why don't you go to the doctor? Oh, she said, no. What'd you do? I fell in that big oven down there this afternoon at about five o'clock. Well, go to the doctor. No, no, no. It don't hurt at all. If there's no pain, it's like it didn't hurt. Well, why was there no pain? Because I said with my mouth, Jesus bore your pain, so you won't have to bear it, and so the pain went away. It was on that night her husband sees it, said, "I'm going to take you to emergency right now." She said, "No, it doesn't hurt. I'm not going." So she wouldn't go. The next morning she woke up, and when she turned over and looked at her arm, it looks just like mine. The next morning. Who in the world do you think never showed up? The King of the Universe. And his name is Jesus. Now when you what did he say in Jeremiah 1.12? I am watching over my word and I'm ready to perform my word. Do you notice anything that come out of my mouth in that period of time I stand there holding that woman's arm? That was coming out of my mouth. Only the word nothing else. Only the word. Everything I said, I quoted a verse in a scripture and Jesus showed up to perform his word. And I'm telling you, how many many burns have you ever seen that's from right here to right there over the whole surface of the arm that's laid down on something red hot and burned all the skin off at 5 o'clock in the afternoon In minutes there's no pain and the next morning when she wakes up there's not even a mark on her arm. How many burns have you ever seen heal like that? Not. Even. not even. Why don't we see that? Nobody's like I mean, it's in the Word. You know what Jesus is going to say one day when you get home? And he said, you know, I, had, I put all these wonderful promises in my Word so you could do all these things, and you didn't believe me. I put the will out there, and you never looked at it. Yeah, I put the will out there. There I signed it in my own blood. Then I blow the from the to make sure nobody changed it. That's awesome, isn't it? He's the only one ever got isn't he, brother? The rest of us make a world when we die. We just hope the kids do what we want. But Jesus didn't stop there. He spent three days in hell, come back, raised the dead, and he watches over to perform it to make sure that it's just like he said. Amen. He's alive and well. He wrote the last will and testament, and we need to get over this deal in the church. Is it God's will to heal you? I mean, if he did it two thousand years ago, if it's already performed and he already done it and He healed every one of us on the cross 2,000 years ago, then all you've got to do is close those doors to sin that's letting those demons in, drive them beasts out within His written, and praise and worship the Lord for healing you. Isn't it amazing what happens? I mean, like five years you suffered with that, brother. Five years! And then you finally got a hold of somebody who knew a little bit about the Word of God. And whenever he began to teach you what it was, wow, and he paid the pair of faith, God healed you. Isn't it amazing What we suffer? All those years, I know, I suffered some of those same things. But you've got to get to the point where you believe what is written in your new covenant. Your will. People say, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal me. With that kind of an attitude, you won't never get healed. There was a young man, and he's here. But there was a young man that just told me that when this child got sick, they went to the doctor, found the problem, then they went to the church and had their pastor. They knew James 5, 14 and 15. So they had their pastor and the deacons anoint the baby with oil and pray the prayer of faith. But the pastor prayed it like this. Father, if it be your will. And he said, nothing happened. No. You know why nothing happened? Because the pastor is the head of the church. And if the head of the church is supposed to go directly to his head, which is Jesus, if he don't know what God's will is, then God will not answer that prayer. In James five fourteen and 15, it clearly says, Is any sick among you? Any sick among you. Let them call for the elders of the church and have them pray for them and anoint them with all. And the prayer offered in faith, not if it be your will, Lord. The prayer offered in faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise you up. Did you know that if that was the only healing scripture we had in the Word of God, there should never be a person in the church that would ever go to a doctor for nothing. If we ever did get sick, the first thing we should do, so that verse also said, Confess your false one to another that you may be healed. So what let me look and see where I messed up. If i got a sin in my life somewhere, if I don't know where it is, then you call it to my attention. And when you call it to my attention, I will immediately repent. I will love you. I will love my neighbor I will love myself I will work in obedience to your word now then I'm going to have this group of men anoint me with us they're going to pray the prayer faith and the prayer faith is going to heal me See, with that kind of a positive attitude guess what's going to happen the king has got to do what he said he would do I mean you can't lie I mean you might lie to me or I might lie to you but the king can't lie to neither one of us can he no, there ain't no lie in the king. That's not part of him. He cannot lie. In fact, this scripture right here says that when he's making reconciliation here with this man, this man that he, he worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you lie. Then he said, The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and he loosed him, or released him, and forgave him the debt. Right. Now see, that's a picture of you and me when we come to Christ for salvation. You owe him a debt you couldn't pay. I mean, you owed a debt you could not pay. Because uh, you look at the wicked things you and I have done over our life. There's no way we can pay for what we owe. And we come and say, Lord, will you please forgive me? He said, no problem. I said, my son, he paid the price for you. So I redeemed you. So go ahead. That's okay. I forgive you. Because he paid your price. You couldn't, but he did. Then he says here, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. My Bible says that's $3,200. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that you owe me. Now, can you imagine the man has been forgiven $3.84 billion. And he runs out there and the man owes him 3200 And he grabs him by the throat and starts choking him and commanding him to pay me. Can you can you fathom that? No, I can't. I've just been forgiven this huge debt, and then I got a brother who owes me these pennies, and I'm not going to forgive him. Boy. Then he says here in verse twenty nine, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told him, and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said to him, O oh, you wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you desired to ask me to. Should not you also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And the Lord was angry, and he delivered him to the tormentors, the devil, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now let me tell you, if that guy in good health couldn't pay that $3, $8, $4 billion with the devil dragging along and beating him and tormenting him, he's in trouble. He's going to be tormented a long time, you know it? A long time. Now look at verse 35. Jesus said, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their transgresses, their trespasses. Now then, if you do not forgive everybody, I don't care what they've done to you, I don't care, ladies, if you had a husband that was the meanest devil on a and he beat you, and he done everything else, and then went off and left you with three kids and everything else, you better not hold a grudge against that man. If you do, even though it looks like you have a legal right to do it, what's God going to do to you? He's going to turn you over to the devil and those three children. That's really scary, isn't it? Does he have respect your persons? No. Does he care who you are? No. God made a set of rules. He don't care if you're red, yellow, black or white. He don't care if you're whoever. He's made a set of rules. We, especially those of us in the church, must forgive everybody from our heart. Now then, when I got revelation on this years ago and began to realize what was going on here, I found children that were sick and afflicted that I had no explanation why a three-year-old girl, six-year-old girl, ten-year-old child, boy or girl, whatever, could be sick or afflicted, have seizures, be tormented, be down with brain tumors, cancers, you name it, seizures, everything known to man, I saw these children have. And absolutely, until I learned this principle, that there is a sin behind every sickness and disease, I could not get those children healed. I didn't understand this. But when I finally got a hold of this and find it, found out that we have to confess our sin, when we repent of our sin, when we forgive our brothers from our heart, then we take away the devil's legal right, and then when we pray, we see those children get healed, or men or women. In fact, one of the most awesome cases of that was 10, yeah, I guess 10 or 12 years ago. At least 10 or 12 years ago. A man, and he was about 70. And he'd been down with cancer for years. And he was a deacon in a Baptist church. And he loved God. And I tried to find a sin in this man's life. Couldn't find one. Could not find a sin in his life. He was a lovely man of God. But when we stepped over to his life, Man, this woman had unforgiveness toward everybody in the family. I said, there's the cause right there. That's it. And the son, which was about 50 years old at that time, he said, Thurman, mother's not sick, daddy's sick. I said, I know, but your daddy's sick because your mother's sin. He said, look, Thurman, I can't buy that. Uh, That couldn't, couldn't possibly be I took him to these scriptures and showed him these scriptures. I said, when your mother got into unforgiveness, first of all, when a man and a woman get married, the two become how many? One. One. The Word of God's very clear. You two become one. So when God sees you and you, He sees one. Now, either one of you are going to be accountable for the other one. So, I told this man, I said, you get your mother to confess her sins and get right with all of the people and ask God to forgive her and ask those people to forgive her. Then I said, I want you to take your Baptist church where your dad is a deacon. And, and of course, the man had been sent home with a hole burned in his colon now and he's got a week left to live. Hey, doctors can't help him. He's impossible. They give him so much radiation and all this stuff, it's over. So they just send him home to die. They nothing we can do. Just let him die. It's over. But when the woman got the unforgiveness taken care of, and then they called the church. Her daddy, I mean his daddy, called the pastor. And he said, that no, we've got to pray this prayer in faith. In other words, the sin has been removed. They took him down to the church. They anointed, and I think they come to his house. I don't think he was capable of going to the church. I think they came. the pastor came out there with three or four deacons. They anointed him alone and prayed the prayer of faith according to James 5.14. And in one week, That man was completely healed, and that's been ten years ago, and last time I checked, he was still doing well. Ten years ago, he's supposed to have been dead in a week. And what was the reason? His wife's unforgiveness. Now, many times I've been to hospitals with children, sick and afflicted, and mother had unforgiveness, or daddy had unforgiveness. You can't go there. You must make sure that every sin of unforgiveness is repented of and that you're walking in love. So, here's the way you can tell if you're walking in love. My brother over here does something to me, really offends me, makes me out I get upset at him and all this stuff, and I'm carrying the grudge for a couple of weeks. And then I realize I can't do this. So, I go to him and say, I forgive you. I'm going to love you. He said, I accept it. Let's forget the whole deal. Okay? So I'm over here one day, and I'm walking down the road over here, and I look up, and there he is. And all of a sudden, I say, oh, good grief, there he is again. I'm going this way. Uh-oh. Did I forgive him? No. If I saw him, I say, hey, praise God, brother, how you doing today? So good to see you again today, huh? Now that's when we love each other, right? That's God's way of doing things. But if you seem to, oh, oh my gosh, let me walk on the other side of the street. I don't want to be nowhere close to him. You're still in unforgiveness. That's how you can tell. You can't not have some kind of association with people. In other words, you don't have to go where they are to hunt them up. But if you run into them, you've got to love them. You see where I'm coming from? You can't make yourself... Spots, whenever you see him right there, you can't say, oh my gosh, there he is he, again. I'm going this way. Because if you do, you didn't forgive. Your ex husband walks up and you say, I ain't talking to you. You didn't forgive him. You see where I'm coming from? You've got to be willing to forgive. And if you do, and you walk in love, now let's talk about some of the promises we can do, some of the things we can do. We've got just a few minutes left here. I want us to turn to back in Matthew 18, just right before we started, and I want to show you a verse that I've got so many wonderful things done with. Listen to these powerful promises. Matthew 18:19. If you're walking in obedience to God's Word, look what you can do. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that you shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. What do you think about that, young lady? What does that really mean? I mean, but what can you get done with that? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? When you ask God, two of you agree. Oh, and you just fixed your knee. Isn't that amazing? You pray over a messed up knee and you use the prayer of agreement, and the Father shows up to heal it. I mean, really, now let's stop and think about this. You reckon God really loves you enough to really do that for you? Uh, Really? You really believe that? Well, then why not? Everybody on the front row believes that. Then why does the church not believe this? What's wrong? It needs to be told by somebody. Well, you know what God's going to say one day, buddy? He said, I put it in my book. Why didn't you read it? You know, that's probably what he told me, that's for sure. But well, Lord, I went to your church and your preacher. He said, well, yeah, I'm going to hold him accountable, too. But he said, I give you the book. Why didn't you read my book? Instead of going home watching them soap operas on television, why didn't you turn that nonsense out and read my book? But well, Lord, I had to wash the clothes. Well, instead of watching them all, instead of taking all afternoon to wash the clothes, when you put a load in go get my Bible and get it out? Why don't you have to go across the street and talk to Jane? Well, the clothes was watching. See, he's going to know everything, isn't he? He knows everything. See, there's not going to be no excuses, because we didn't know these things, is there? But we're trying to learn now, aren't we? And when we try to learn and we get a hold of it, and we walk in faith, man, we can see God do some wonderful things. Can't we, brother? Amen! In other words, if a man and his wife, which are two and on this earth and if they're both walking in obedience to the word and you're the priest in the home and you're walking totally in a love relationship to your wife and to God according to that scripture you and her can come together and literally get every answer you want from God can't you? Isn't that awesome? And we like dummies don't ask for nothing Holly do we? Not enough. Not enough. I used to try to do it on my home. You've probably been giving it up too haven't you? But we ain't going to be no more are we? We're going to do all things in prayer. Just like the Lord says. I mean, I was really tickled to the show this morning when she said, no, God, I ain't never going to do that again. <laughs> but when I walked in this morning, she's she told me, I come in to give her a kiss. She says, Honey, that little wee Johnny's zit right there. I had to look real close to see it. <laughs> now you're, you're letting everybody see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tiny, good green. Nobody can only really see that. <laughs> She said, would you pay for that? I said, yes, and it will go away. See, is that the worst problem my lady ever has? That little tiny thing right there, I'll be okay. (laughs) No problem. That's okay. We can get that done. But the other night, she was like you with a fire in her stomach. That fire. You know, I mean, she couldn't sleep either. But praise the Lord, we didn't have to wait five years. Praise the Lord! We didn't have to do what. Now, then, when the enemy tells you that you're allergic to anything or everything, all you got to do is find out what you did wrong. Did you notice anything this young man said he might have done wrong? Did you hear say he's out drinking and doing all kinds of stupid things? You think anything might be something that God really didn't like? Oh, one or two of them, huh? And so maybe that's why you got a little fire from the devil in your tummy, huh? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but you learned something, didn't you? Ain't going out to play that devil on the because he don't play fair, does he? No. He, what does the devil come to do? What? And I don't like none of them, do you? So when we say in God's camp, the Lord Jesus promises us no sickness and no disease if you'll walk in obedience to his word. Because... In Matthew 8, turn back a few more pages to Matthew 8, and I want to show you what the Lord promises. Show you what he did in Matthew eight sixteen. Now then, before I read that, I want to show you about Jesus healing the boy the with palsy here in Matthew 8. The centurion came to Jesus and told him, I have a servant at home lying sick with a palsy. And in verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. He didn't say, I'm not going to heal him. He said, I will come and heal him. This is Jesus' response every time. I will come and heal you. I love you. I want you healed. I will heal you. This is his promise. But the sinner said, I'm not ready for you to come under my roof. All you need to do is just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And you know what Jesus' response was? Wow, he marveled. He said, no, I have not seen such great faith in all Israel. What's God looking for? Faith. faith. Trust in him. Believing that he will do what he said. And he's told, look what he told the centurion. The, the, the man said, if you just say the word, I know My servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled. Then he says in verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Now, when you leave here today, if you believe the king has already healed you, he said, as you have believed, so shall it be done unto you. Is that awesome, Steve? So what are you going to believe when you leave today? You're healed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, or are you going to have doubt? No doubt. If you're going to believe He's made all of my means according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, right? Amen. Do you mind if I tell a little story on you and about what you did out to helping us? Okay. Steve like he's in the landscape business, and he comes and said business is a little slow. So I thought I might offer a little free up to your ministry, and we would like to come up and bring a two or three guys and and trim around your place or something. And I said, wonderful, I would appreciate it greatly. Now, what the Lord said in His word, give and it shall be what? So he came up and brought a couple of guys in there and they worked all afternoon and trimmed around my place and I don't remember how much business he got but business started flourishing after that. Didn't that what you said? He said business started flourishing. So after about a week of really flourishing business, it fell off a little bit because he said, Can I help you some more? <laughs> <laughs> and he did and he came up down something else and that happened again, see? More business, more business it flourished in now, when God says give and it should be given unto you, you reckon He meant that? Yeah. He sure did. And that doesn't make any difference how you give. Steve gave what he had. He had him and his men, and they came and gave time to clean up around the ministry center. And the Lord just blessed him abundantly the next week. And then when he, or two, whatever it was, then he had a little more time, and he come back up and done some more trimming. And I think you said that before you got home or something. You had some calls and had some great stuff, and just thank, just beginning a snowball. You know, it's amazing when you give, God will give back to you. So it's wonderful. So, see now, this doesn't make sense to the world. The world, you don't call and say, hey, can I come up and give a couple of my guys to you so they can cut and trim and, and fix up your place. It's free. Somebody says, gee, you can't make no money like that. You need to charge them. But God says give and it shall be given. And so both times, every time Steve has given his men in time, he says in the next week or two or three, he has been blessed abundantly by helping us. And question, we, we appreciate it, really appreciate it because it really makes the place look nice. You know, and then when people come out there, it looks good. So we really appreciate what he does. But the Lord returned back to him bountifully every time he's come and given. So... Right here, Jesus said, "As you have believed, so it, so be it done unto you." So do you believe when you leave here today, when we pray for you, if you've got a sickness or a disease, do you believe you're healed? Are you going to keep believing that you can die forever? You want to keep believing that you can keep losing that weight and doing everything you want to do in the name of Jesus? And you want to believe that I can do it? It's already done, right, Lord? And so... I'm 120 pounds. Amen! That's the way you've got to see yourself. I see myself as a beautiful 120-pound woman. I'm going to work, and I'm going to ask you, Lord... In fact, a man came to our healing school the other day that weighed over 400 pounds. And he said, I am serious with God. I want to lose some weight. But I realize God can do exceedingly abundant above all I can think or imagine. So I want you to pray for me that God will do a supernatural miracle, and I believe when you pray for me, he's going to drop this weight off me supernaturally. Is he saying anything right? Everything right. I prayed for that guy that's got the medium right where his faith was, and I thought that man three months later. In three months, you know how much that man had lost? One hundred pounds in three months. You couldn't lose a hundred pounds in three months if you quit eating. (laughs) You know it? But he said, I didn't quit eating. I've still been eating fairly reasonable. And I've lost a hundred pounds in three months. Now, what God said we could ask for? You see how short we're cutting him? We're cutting the king short because we don't ask. You know, so you don't come to God and ask him to heal you hoping He's going to do it. You come to God asking Him to heal you, knowing He's going to do it, because it's already done. Because look what He says here right below after that. In verse 16, it says that when the evening was come, they brought on Him many that were possessed with devils or demons. Now what do these people have? Devils Devils or demons. And He cast out the Spirit with His Word, and healed all that were sick. How many does He heal? All. All that believed. I believe, And he said in verse seventeen that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now if he's already took our infirmities and bear our sickness, do you have to beg him to heal you? No. no, it's already done. Just Make sure your sins are repented, both mama and daddy and the children. Make sure you're depending on who's sick, whether it's a child or you, mama or daddy. But it wouldn't hurt if everybody repented of their sins. Everybody got right. Everybody got back into a love relationship with God. And then when you do that, command that sickness to leave you, because what it is is a demon. Command that beast to leave you in Jesus' name and then agree in prayer that the Father will send the Holy Ghost to restore and heal everything in your body and make it whole. And then if there's anything that's been killed through medication or surgeries or anything else, ask the Father in Jesus' name to restore all themselves. If you've had chemo or radiation, they've destroyed many million cells in your body. And those are fighters that you need. Ask the Lord to raise them from the dead. Put movings in there. Make them move. Somebody says, oh, Goodness, I don't have that kind of faith. Well get that kind of faith. Put <laughs> believing in your God. He's not some fly by night cowboy. Right? He ain't even close to them physicians down there. You might find the best physician in the world. And you go down there and you find a physician and he's supposed to be world, world renowned. And you said, Oh, if I go to him, if I could only get him, I know he can heal me. But he's a man. Just a lousy, stinking man. And we got the king of the universe, and he's really not very far away. He's right there. Right there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you don't have to go far and look toward him, do you? No, he's right there. Now, that's something I don't understand about God. I don't know how he can be so big that he can make all of the cosmos and all the stars and moons and galaxies and everything, but yet he can be so little, he can live inside of this little tiny piece of flesh. And he can talk to me. And did you know, there was another lady here I was talking to you a while ago up here, she also has heard God's voice many times. She said, it's awesome to hear God's voice. Well, I'm telling you, it's awesome to hear God's voice. In fact, while we're right here, let me ask this question amongst this group. How many of you in this room have ever heard that voice that sounds audible when God speaks to you? Whoa! Praise the King! Many of you have heard it. Now, some of you may have ever only heard it once or twice, but some of you have heard it many times. Now, don't be like this picture that had a little boy, and he was walked in, and his little boy was talking to someone, and he sat down to him, listen to him. He said, "Son, who are you talking to?" Oh, he turns to dad. I didn't know you he was here. He said, "I'm talking to my angel." Oh, you are? Yeah, no. Okay. Well, a few days later, he comes in. He's talking again. He listens, carrying on a conversation with somebody. He said, son, who are you talking to? He said, well, dad, I'm talking to my angel again. He said, He said, dad, don't you see him? He said, no, son, I don't see him at all. He said, you can see him? Oh, yeah, Daddy's standing right there. He's he's awesome. Well, son, if you can see him, ask him why I can't see him. Daddy's a preacher. He said, Angel, why can't my daddy see you? Oh, he said, Daddy says you have too hard a heart and too much sin in your life. Exactly what every preacher wants to hear, right? Not only. But you know why we can't see them? Because our hearts are too hard and we have too much sin in our life. That's why we can't see them. They're there. I saw three of them when I was in Cook's Medical Center. That's the only time I ever got to see angels. But over a three-week period, I saw three. And you know what every one of them said to me? Walked right up beside me, and I looked over and looked me right in the eye, and they said, the Lord said to tell you, He loves you. Wow! The Lord said to tell you, He loves you. Isn't that awesome? How would you like for an angel to walk right up to you, right by your side? As a man, you're walking down the corner, and and you turn and look, and he's about five ten, and you're six one. And you kind of look down at him just a little. And when you look at him, he's looking right in your eye. And he says, the Lord said to tell you, he loves you. Wow. I mean, the Lord knew I needed that. Because I was in that hospital with my granddaughter. and doctors telling me she ain't going to live. And then I'm praying for all the mother and little children. And them little children are getting healed all over the place. And I am about my father's business. I'm knocking through that little re boy. I'll never forget that little guy. After I prayed for several people, his daddy came to me and he said, Mr. Strippner, would you come pray for my son? I said, what's wrong with him? He said he was born in Cook's Medical Center over two years ago. And he's never been home. He's waiting for a liver transplant. And he cannot leave this hospital. I said, you and your wife must make sure every sin is repented of. And he said, that's done. I said, okay, where's your baby? that man takes me into a hospital room there's a little tiny baby 2 years old when i looked down at that little boy he was sweaty with beads of sweat like he was working outside in the sun a nurse standing here and a nurse standing there and the power of god just took over i just reached up there and grabbed a hold of that little guy And I said, You devil of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. I said, Be healed in Jesus' name. And I turned him loose and I said, I guarantee he's healed in the name of Jesus. And what Jesus said, i got to do it how? In faith. Violently. The just shall live by faith and violence it's come upon the kingdom of heaven, but the violent takes it by force. And I kicked that devil of hell out of that little boy as violent as I knew how. And turned and said, I guarantee you'll go home and nothing flat." And that little boy immediately began to recover. And in two weeks, that little boy went home for the first time in his life. Without needing a liver transplant. Somebody says. You know, but maybe it wasn't God's will. That's why we don't get nothing done. We're children of the King. The King came 2,000 years ago to heal us and deliver us and give us power over the devil and his demons. He said, now walk holy before me, and they can't touch you. Walk holy before me, and they cannot touch you. All you need to do is love each other, love me, and love yourselves. Then husbands, love your wives and women. Wives, not just women. Why, submit to your husbands in all things. And then he said, if you do everything the will I say, then you can come and ask me. And two of you can come and ask me for anything. Just like Cheryl and I did the other night when she had that burning fire and the little part of her body. And I rebuked that devil and I mean he had to leave just like that. Somebody said, well, I don't know if it's God's will to heal or not. Get over that. Get over it. He come and kicked the devil out, defeated the beast, triumphed over him, and said the last thing the king said when he started to go back to heaven, to heaven. He said, now then, I have triumphed over the devil, I've completely defeated him, and all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, now I give it to you. And you go do, and you go and make disciples, and you command the new disciples to do everything I have commanded you to do. And I've commanded you to go out and cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. And boy, we don't have faith for that, do we? I'm going to tell you something. The family is here. But I'm going to tell you the story that I was told yesterday. And I'm going to tell you my interpretation of this. I want you to think about this. This little girl came down with a serious illness. And mother and daddy's done everything they know to do. And then the little girl comes to them and said, I had a talk with Jesus. And Jesus has told me, I'm not going to be here very long. You know what I told him? That was not Jesus. You know, the only people Jesus raised from the dead, except for Lazarus, for the glory of God, both of them was a boy and a girl, and how old were they? Little. He didn't raise any 60, 70, 80, 90-year-old people from the dead. He knows that in old age he plans to bring you home. But he doesn't plan for the devil to take you out as a child. So, if you see a vision and it looks like Jesus, and it says, I've come to take you home in death, don't you believe it because it does not line up with the Word. The Word says, I promise to satisfy you with long life. Somebody said the devil wouldn't do nothing like that. Let me tell you, that beast will transform himself into an angel of light and he can transform himself into a being that will look just exactly like Jesus, and he can quote the word so simple and so good, you'll think it's him. That's why you've got to know the truth. The Word of God clearly said. I know a pastor, I know him personally. He said when he was miraculously healed as a young boy, he was miraculously healed from the Word of God, and then just the next day, this voice came to him and said, now that you're healed, I have healed you, but now it's time for you to come home. And he said, I thought, this is God. So the voice was so beautiful. And so I just sat in a chair and began to yield to the voice. Wow, Lord, it's something that I lived only a few years and then I had all this sickness and couldn't do nothing. And now that you've completely healed me, But now you told me you're going to bring me home. And he was yielding to what he thought was Jesus. And all the time it was a devil. And then all of a sudden the Word of God got through him. He said, did you not remember I said in Psalms 91 that I will satisfy you with long life? If he said, I'll satisfy you with long life, then when are you going to go home, young lady? Okay, or when you get ready. Okay, that's a good, that's a good, okay. Now, does she have that kind of power? Okay, where in the Word would she guarantee she could have that kind of power? You know any place? You better know the Word. I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to show you what belongs to us as children of God. I just want to show you. We're going to quit here in just a minute, but I want to show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to show you what this woman's talking about. I want to show you what really belongs to her and to you. The first night I read this, this became a revelation to me. I could not hardly grasp this could be true. But the more I read and study the Word of God, the more I realize it's, too, it's almost too good to be true. But it's not too good to be true. It is true. 1 Corinthians 3, 21. 1 Corinthians three twenty-one. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. What did he give you right there, brother? What did he, what did he cut you short right there as the Son of God? All things belong to you, right? Isn't that awesome? As children of God, all things belong to us. That's almost more than we can grasp, isn't it, brother? But let's go ahead and read a little further. Whether you're Paul, or Pilate, or Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours so this little girl over said she's going to live until Jesus comes she can claim that verse right there and she can live as long as you want to as long as you obey his commandments it's going to be contingent of you walking in love and obeying his commandments and if you do that in fact when we think about how powerful this is right here with two more sets of verses we're going to quit I want you to go to 8 of John John eight, you got to see this, and then this is where this is really, really a kicker. John eight, this is a little more than the average Christian can grasp. Verse thirty four, Jesus answered them, Verily I say unto you, whosoever commit a sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And verse 45, And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. I tell you the truth, but you believe me not. In verse 49, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, because they told him he had a devil. I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, that is one, there is one that seeketh and judges. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. That's pretty awesome, isn't it, brother? Now, that wasn't some fly-by-night belt cowboy that made that statement, was it? That was the king of the universe. What is available to us as children of God if we will keep all of his sayings and do everything he says? Under the new covenant, you won't never have to die. That's just a little more than the average Christian can grasp. you know it? I mean, I have trouble getting people healed. And I have a lot more trouble getting them to be able to in divine health. But to tell them you can live forever, I tell you, they said, Thomas got a devil. <laughs> the average church member would say that. But Jesus said, that. What did the church say to him? He had one, too. You've got a devil. Nobody can live forever. But Jesus said, Truly, truly. Verse fifty-one. I say unto you, if, amen, if. You know there's a requirement there. Yes, sir. If, isn't that a great big giant word? Yes. If. Now who said this too? This is the King talking. Quite, a, quite a, quite a statement. He said there isn't it. So do you think it's His will to heal us? Absolutely, absolutely, even further than that, if a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. Then, one more time in verse chapter eleven, and then we're going to quit, chapter eleven, still in John. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall, yet shall he live. Now, Lazarus had only been dead just a very few minutes. How many minutes? No, more than that. How many days? Four days. What happens to a physical body that's been dead four days? That's right. And you know, he had been put in a mummy. He was wrapped up in a cocoon. They sealed him with 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe, just like they did Jesus, except they sealed him up solid. Lazarus was sealed solid. They sealed Jesus everywhere except the face. You know, I often used to wonder why when Peter and John, when Mary and everybody said, He's alive! Wow. He's alive! We saw wow. him! And they were running back out to the tomb, and John, he was real fast because he was younger, and Peter was that big old little, lumbering guy. He was trudging along behind him as fast as he could go. John gets there and stops and looks in, and there's the a cocoon. It said Peter went running in, and he looked, and he believed and I thought I read that and thought, wait a minute, Lord, there's something I'm missing here. Why does John run up and he looks in and he don't believe? Then I got to think, What does John see? I mean you gotta think beyond what's written. What do he see? Well, it says that they took him down off the cross and wrapped him with a hundred pounds of myrrh and apple. Everywhere except the face. So the cocoon was put in there and in three days it was solid. So John jumped around, and he looked and said, no, "He's still there. There he is. was a cocoon. He's still laying there." But Peter went lumbering on in and he looked and he looked at where the napkin was and in that cocoon it's empty. There ain't nobody in it. So Peter believed because Jesus is not in that cocoon. Well, John was in a cocoon. And you know it says, you know, every time we see a story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. What happens? Jesus speaks, and they got the lights and the smoke and all this stuff, but Lazarus walks out. That is not what the Word of God says. It says, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And it says, and Lazarus stood in the entryway to the tomb. Guess what? An angel picked that body up, brought it over there, and set it there because he's still sealed in a cocoon. He can't walk. And it says, Jesus said, Lease him and let him go. And they started tearing away. And as they said, Tear away the flesh. They tore away the uh, cocoon. There was live flesh under there and it wasn't rotten. And it wasn't decayed. But yet it had been dead and four days there had been no flesh, no blood. And the king of the universe, this God we think came to heal a body, had raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, let me tell you, that's nothing. Compared to what Ezekiel saw. Ezekiel walks out there one day and the God that we think can't heal a body today, the God that says I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. One day he spoke to Ezekiel, he said Ezekiel, you see this valley out here with all these people that died all these years and years and years ago? He said, Yeah, Lord. He said, Do you think they could live? He said, Oh God, only you know. He said, Ezekiel speak to the bone and command bone to come to bone. Can you imagine a child like that? What would you do if that is you and me that God spoke to? You? Wow, wow! Bone come to bone, and all of a sudden the bones start rattling across the ground. Not just any of the shoulder bones come off. This man, not the one happened the a woman, comes man. But the bone came to bone, and they stood, and they, there is standing an army of men with their bones skeletons. And the Lord says Ezekiel, command flesh to come upon those bones. Wow, Lord! And he did. And immediately there stood an army of flesh and blood. He said, now then, you believe these men can live? Lord, only you know! He says, command the breath of life into them. And he did, and that became a living army of living men. So let me tell you, get over your unbelief. This God that we serve can do what He said so exceedingly, abundantly above all you can think or imagine. All He's waiting for you to do is believe in faith. With Caitlin, piece of cake. With Kelly, a piece of cake. With anybody that believes what your sins are repented of, piece of cake. Now then, once you get healed, you gotta walk in love. Just listen it. You know what's so devastating? To see somebody come to one of these meetings and their faith get mountain high, and they get their sins repented of, and they get healed, and they walk out of here and within a day, a week or a month, they step back in some kind of sin and the devil comes back and they're right back or worse than they was when they came. But yet they was totally healed for a day, a week or a month. Isn't that amazing? Walk holy before God. And then you can walk in divine health. In fact, two places I've showed you today of the mouths of two witnesses, both of them in the book of John and out of the mouths of Jesus both times, that if you can, if you can keep His commandments, you don't have to even die. That's a little more than we can technically grasp, isn't it, sir? Yes. But the king said that, didn't he? That's right. Yeah. If. How are you going to know what he said? You're going to have to read his book, right? You're going to have to hide it in your heart. You're going to have to make sure you know it. And if you do that, then you'll change and you'll say the right things. Instead of living to be 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, you'll be able to live on and on, and you'll be able to do it in good, solid health and be young in the process. Isn't that amazing? He gave us a whole lot more than most of us can grasp, didn't he? In fact, all things are ours. The world is ours, life is ours, and death is ours. It's all in the tongue. The power of all of that's in your tongue. Your healing is near you. It is in your mouth. Your miracles is in your mouth and in your heart. God's given you that kind of power. You speak to the demons, command them to leave after the sin's been repented of, and you don't have to even sweat about getting well, do you, J.C.? Amen. Amen. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. You know, Sermon, what you're
2: preaching, uh, many, you know, when Jesus came, the Pharisees said, You have a devil. Oh, yeah. So over here in John 8, said, You have a
0: devil. Yeah. But so it's amazing the demons called him the Son of God. Yep. Yep, praise God. But all I can say is a lot of people get healed from what I teach from this book. And every one of you that come here today with a testimony, you're grateful for the Word of God, right? Every one of you. And all of you that go out from here, you've got to realize it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit in Jesus, and you've got the same Holy Spirit I've got. So if you'll believe these things that I believe like I do, He'll do the same great and mighty things through you when you pray for people that He does when I pray for them no difference he has no respect to a person brother he wants to do good things for his people and that's what he's called me to do to empower you or to teach you what it takes to be empowered and I love it when people call back like the little church of Christville the other day she wrote me an email she said Mr. Scrivener somebody give me one of your tapes I listened to the first 15 minutes and I said that's the most arrogant man I ever heard I'm turning that off and she said I've turned it off started to walk off of something and said just listen to the whole tape So she said, I thought, okay, so I'll go back over and I'll turn it on. She said, I listened to the whole tape. She said, I called and got some more. And she said, now I've listened to 12 of your tapes. And she said, "After listening to 12. And my church, my church told me that it's okay. I can do anything I want to. Sin has no problem. God, He paid for everything past, present, and future. No problem I can sin. It won't have any effect between me and God. But she said, I never got a prayer answered. When I heard your teaching... I realized I had sinned many times. I went to the Lord and I asked the Lord to forgive me and restore me. And she said, after I got my sins already pinned up, both my children were sick. I walked over and laid my hands on my children and commanded the devil to leave and said, Be healed in Jesus' name. She said, both of them was healed. She said, I went over to my sister's house, explained to her she was sick, explained to her what I had learned, taught her for about an hour, got over again, I laid hands on her, and she was instantly healed. She said, now I know what kept me from God, and it was sin. She said, I've got my sins repent And said, from this day forth, I'm going to walk in obedience to God's Word. She said, thank God for your teaching. Yeah. I mean, she wrote me a long email. See, when you get rid of your sins, God's no respect to a person. He'll do the same thing for you. He does for me. Isn't that wonderful? Just think. that young man prayed for you. How, how long was that when, y'all got, when you got healed? Um, gosh, 1996. 96. So for five years you suffered... And then somebody come along that knew the truth. And you got healed. Well, and are you grateful? Oh, my God. oh grateful. That ain't... Oh, you were walking holy before and now that weren't you. You ain't out there doing them stupid things you did when you got sick. And you ain't going to do that no more, right? No, 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 no. Oh, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of having this magnificent book that we have. Father, I ask You to be merciful to every person here today. Lord, as they, as they repent of their sins, when I touch them in Your name, Lord, I ask You to completely burn and purge me out, and I'll let the Holy Spirit that's in me be the one that will heal every human being. And may these people go and be empowered with Your Word. And as they go, may they pray the prayer of faith for people when they get their lives straight. And may they see You do great and mighty things for others. And as they teach them... May your Word go forth across the earth so your church will straighten herself up and start walking holy and obedient to your Word. And we give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Now then, it is 5.30. I try to quit at 5, but sometimes I don't make it. But anyway, anybody that needs to be prayed for now, if you'll come up here. We will pray for you. Praise the Lord. And we're going to trust God. He's going to heal every one of you. Anything? Oh, okay, I've already told them all that. Your tapes and everything, everywhere down the hall. Anything you want, take what you want give it to your friends. We want you and them to be blessed. Praise the Lord.